So I opened up these packages and I'm like, oh my gosh, these look like jewels. Like they look like little emerald jewels. And I'm like, dude, these are cool. He's like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Whatever. I had not, I didn't know anything about them. And all of a sudden they start taking off. So he had like three dozen of these things and they're all flying in my car as I'm driving. I'm like, oh my God. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Welcome to From the Ground Up podcast. And if you guys didn't know, we do have a Patreon page. So we'd like to thank everyone who has supported us on our Patreon page and has basically enabled us to cover the cost of having this show up, which is pretty sweet. So, yes. <laughs> sorry, um, what were you going to uh, say? Okay. Um, also, we obviously have a website, and it's somehow by Global Freaking. It has become very warm. <laughs> it's called Global Freaking. That's it. Oh, it's going to get cold again, it's, but... But, because it means really warm, warm, really cold, cold, but... It has become cool or warm again recently here in Philadelphia. So if you want one of our steaks, please buy it quickly so we can send it to you. Because like in two weeks, it's supposed to snow for like four days straight. So so there's going to be a small shipping window yes, coming up. But here. there's a lot of snakes we still came home with after the Oaks Reptile Show. So if you're interested, they are on the website. I don't think we updated our website. But most oh, yeah, we did sell some snakes that I didn't yes, update we did on the sell, website. So... One or two may not be available, but most of them are still available. So go buy snakes, but don't buy the ones we snakes. Yeah, <laughs> which you don't know which one it is. So actually, I didn't. Um, I didn't list either of those, so we're actually oh, good sorry. because those were going to be holdbacks, and that then they... up, yeah, of course, are the ones we sold at the show were two holdbacks that we changed. Yeah, we've had snakes that we like struggle to sell forever, and then I bring out the two holdbacks, and they sell immediately, and that's the only snakes we sold. Show. Cool. So that's so, the way that goes. Great intro, but <laughs> check out our Patreon, check out our website. As usual, shirts available. Um, oh, if anyone has a White Plains connection, we're trying to bend at White Plains this weekend. <laughs> Just putting that out there. We're putting stuff out there like that. Just putting it out there. Hopefully. Yeah, if anyone wants to share a table, you know, give Let a dog a bone. Our 11, like 11 corn snakes. That's all Yeah, don't worry. We just need 11 deli cup spaces. But yeah. Yeah, that would be sweet. Otherwise, I mean, I don't know if we'll be going to that. We may be going to the Hamburg one, but as far as just going to go. Going to stop. And other uh, than if that. If you're in the New York area, the White is this weekend on Sunday, and then Hamburg is the 23rd, I believe, I think, coming up. And we are in no way affiliated with either of those shows. Yes, and we are in no way good at making short intros. But today <laughs> on the podcast, oh shit, we have Colin Langendorfer. Of Crosstown Exotics. Yes. So, Colin, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. And just give us a, a little intro of what you do over there. Uh, so, yeah, at Crosstown Exotics, we're a, a traveling reptile show. Um, and we're also a traveling bug show in the Chicagoland area that we travel around uh, and educate an or, uh, audiences about our animals. Awesome. So what kind of got you interested in reptiles in general? Uh, in general, it was one of the first animals I was really exposed to um, growing up. Because uh, again, like everyone, it's the easiest thing to be catching in your backyards if you've got you know an interest in animals. So it was catching toads and garter snakes and whatnot. Um, and then early on, I realized that I was allergic to anything with fur. 
So that just pretty much chose my course in, uh, in which animals I, I was going to pursue. So, um, which was kind of sad because I love my bunny snowball, but um, we definitely needed to, uh, to get rid of the animal. So, Wow, that's pretty crazy. So like, were you, you weren't allergic just to like shedding fur, like you were allergic as well as like rabbits and stuff like that? Yeah. So it's like, I didn't know I was allergic to marsupials until I was hugging a kangaroo. And that was awkward because then I had to go run and get Benadryl somewhere. Uh, I was out in the middle of like a, like in, in a rural area. So I'm like, oh, great. This is awesome. Um, but yeah, no, most shedding animals I'm allergic to. So it's gotten better as I've gotten older, but um, pretty much anything with fur. So. so how'd you get to hugging a kangaroo? <laughs> uh, I know a lot of different people that have a lot of different animals. Um, and so when you have friends that have kangaroos, you say, can I come over and hug it? So yeah, <laughs> yeah there was a, this like meme-ish type thing going around of like what states you can have a kangaroo on. And yeah. I don't know if you've seen that, but people have been sharing it. Oh, I didn't know. I have not even seen that. No. Yeah. For some reason, people have been sharing it because people are amazed. I, I think you can keep kangaroos at all, but there's plenty of states that you yeah. can keep them with no questions asked. Yeah. Missouri, I think for sure. There's that big exotics, uh, like, a, uh, there's like a big exotic mammal show down there. Uh, I think it's like Southern Missouri, but you can buy a bunch of crazy stuff there. So I know my buddy bought a wallaby, but that wasn't the same, you know, marsupial that I got to hug. So. Okay. So can we keep one here? Is it legal? Uh, you need a permit in Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah, I think in Illinois, you do need one. I didn't, I guess I didn't ask. I was just so excited that they had one. So I just hugged it. Did they ask <laughs> questions? Yeah, I mean, it's not your responsibility at, at that point. I mean. Right. But uh, so what What kind of got you started in reptiles kind of, was it the the, the keeping aspect and what did you keep first? Uh it was, yeah, so um, reptiles, and I was actually scared of, of reptiles in the beginning, like s snakes. I watched Jungle Book too many times, and I was in under the impersonation that they were going to, or the impersonation, impression that they were going to hypnotize me. Um, and so um, when I got my first snake, which is an albino corn snake, um, I was like afraid to sleep in the same room as it. I was like, and this is when I was like 18 years, no, I'm joking. I was like five years old when I got my first snake. Um, and it took me a while to like, I don't know, start holding it and interacting with it. But once I did and got over the whole, like feeding it live animals aspect and stuff, I was pretty much hooked from there. Um, but yeah, um, into the educational field in general, um, I was very interested in these animals and, um, there was a guy teaching classes at the Chicago reptile house, which was Brian Potter's, uh, uh, shop. And, uh, he was teaching these classes and he'd take kids field herping and stuff. And I eventually, um, started working for this guy who did educational shows. And, um, he had a pretty great, uh, uh, variety of animals from, you know, different crocodilian to monitor lizards and big snakes and stuff that I got to work with from a young age. And, um, yeah, I guess having that experience pretty much just got me hooked on, on seeing everything that you can work with in this field. So, so I know that, I mean, Chicago is a big reptile area in general. I mean, you have obviously um, the East Coast where we are, Philly, New York, all that stuff. You have Florida, you have California, like those are, and Texas, of course, hot spots. But it seems like Chicago has a very big uh, reptile scene as well. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it's surprisingly, I mean, it's just, it's just really random for us to have that big of a hub. You'd think, you know, more of the, the warmer climates would have just as big of a, of a following, but it's, it's almost unreal how many people you have here. I mean, with the amount of breeders you have, the amount of educators, I mean, I could name, you know, 12 strictly reptile educators here um, in the Chicagoland area that do this like full time. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, but it's also awesome too, because then you just have tons more friends. So. Yeah, that's great. I don't even know one in Philly and I kind of looked it up and I didn't really find anyone that seemed that substantial. So, yeah. I mean, are you full time in this? No, gosh, no. Um, and not, it's not because I don't want to be, it's more of a, it, it's a lot to do with just the stability of it. Um, I don't really want to have to rely on shows to get by. Um, because again, I don't want to start resenting my passion. Um, not to say that eventually I wouldn't love to, but as of right now, I feel like it's just a perfect, you know, side, side career, I guess. Um, and I'm just happy with that. Yeah. And what kind of animals do you typically bring out to these shows? Um, we try to bring animals that you wouldn't find at like Petco or PetSmart. So, um, you know, we do bring our staple animals, which are like our, obviously we have a big Burmese python. Um, we've got a African spurred thigh tortoise or sulcata. Um, we bring like a big green iguana and, um, let's say what's another staple, like a pixie frog, like an African giant bullfrog. Um, but then we try to incorporate a couple other, you know, different animals you wouldn't normally see. Like we have our green anacondas, uh, nebula and gomora. Um, we have a rhino iguana named Kumba. We have Marty, the monkey-tailed skink. We've got Drax, our, you'll see a, a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, theme going on. But Drax, our caiman lizard. Um, we've got smooth-sided toads. We, and then we in, uh, incorporate inverts, too. So we normally bring our hissing cockroaches, flat rock scorpions, vinegaroons, different things like that. So, and our alligator snapping turtle, Rocco. I think you're going to need to educate Melissa because she just made a wincy face at the cockroach. What do you mean? How do you give people over their fears of it's cockroaches and education. stuff like that? It's, uh, so we know more about it isn't going to make me less grossed out. I guess everyone kind of has their tactics of it, um, but with us, I think just the way that we present ourselves and the way that we we handle ourselves, people are like, "All right, well, this, if this guy's being nice and calm and and uh, and not afraid of this animal." then, you know, they're okay with it. Now, when we do give these animals to audience members, we generally like to hold someone's wrist prior to giving this animal to them because they, when they put it in their hand, they generally like to catapult it right behind them. So we're like, hey, not that we don't trust you, but we're going to hold your wrist first before we, we you know, give you the, the full reins of holding this, this bug um, because it has happened before where we've had people, you know, try and flinch with it. And we've heard horror stories in the past of just obliterated cockroaches so um but again when people see it it's very intimidating but once you have it in your hand it just looks like a big like roly-poly i mean they really they're not you know they don't bite they they do have hooks on their fingers so it does um feel a little creepy at first that was me sorry um but other than that um yeah i mean most people don't have too big of an issue with it Hypocrite, this about snakes, you know, like hey, but I have total uh, what is it called? I'm gonna, I think it's like bladderophobia. I think you're maybe making that up. I'll go with it, yeah, bladderophobia for sure. <laughs> fear of bladders, 
your cockroach. I, I mean, you hold it in your hand. Again, doesn't do anything for me. I will not touch it. The fact that I'm not, you know me, when we first started dating, yeah. if it's in the room, I'd start crying. Like immediate yeah. tears. Yeah, my, like, my girlfriend's the same way. She's not about those. And that's so, um, my, the company Crosstown Exotics is run with my best friend, uh, Mike, at Mike Levins. And uh, he does all of the inverts. So when my girlfriend and I first started talking, she was like, you don't have like any bugs. I'm like, no, that's all at Mike's house. That's why he doesn't have a girlfriend. <laughs> um, but he, I mean, if he did bugs, we would not be dating. Like, yeah. no way. The funny thing is Mike is an exterminator. So he like he keeps bugs at his house but and he loves them like with a passion and and during the day he you know he kills them so um but that's always a big laugh at our shows but um no but he, he's really good at what he does and he keeps so many different species he breeds he's got isopod colonies and cockroach colonies and he and he's got you know those goliath bird-eating tarantulas um what else do we have just a bunch of crazy cool stuff i mean we our, our bug show is growing and it's something we're, we're really proud of because again you normally don't see a traveling bug show i think when i first thought of it i was like like those little ant circuses like that kind of travel or the flea circus or whatever you're talking about but um no kids really get into it so we're happy we get to to kind of educate people on that stuff yeah and it's true most you know most educational reptile things there's not bugs included or most in Almost no one has positive exposure, I guess, with a bug. I mean, that's the problem. Every time you see a bug, you know, someone's freaking out. So, right. which I guess is pretty similar with snakes. But I mean, we're so used to snakes that we kind of forget about I know. it. I yeah, know. that's true. If you're every bug from this planet, I'd be totally fine with it. Well, no this planet would not sustain itself. No matter but... the consequences. Right. <laughs> no matter how fucked up everything would be. Okay. Well, a lot of the animals that we love eat the bugs, so yeah, they're true. good to have yeah. around. But um, so as far as reptiles, so obviously you're keeping the the reptile side of it. So do you have a reptile room kind of? How do you keep so many different animals? Yeah, so um, the the reptile room is in our third car garage. Um, so it just takes up the whole third car garage, um, and it houses uh, a little under 100 or so reptiles in there, um, you know, obviously ranging from the Burmese pythons and sulcatas to, you know, all those stuff. Yeah. That sounds like a lot for, especially you have some things that take up some space. Right. And my bedroom too. That's where most of the iguanas stay. So, and plus they're, they're the most sociable. Um, I mean, the monitors are very sociable too. And I mean, not to say everything else isn't sociable, but the iguana is like my, you know, big green iguana and my rhino iguana, and I've got a red and a blue and a came brack iguana, but all of them just love hanging out. It's, it's ridiculous. Like I never, I guess the reptiles get that stigma of not having like a personality, but like, it's, it almost like wrenches at your heart. You're like, Oh my God, like this thing is just as sociable as a dog. I mean, it's, it's, it's really uh, interesting to see that, but my iguana loves sitting on my bed. Um, he just sits there. He's potty trained. Um, anytime he needs to use a rat restroom, he walks to the kit or the kitchen. He walks to the bathroom and climbs in the tub and he goes to the bathroom right in the tub. What? Yeah. Wow. So explain to, to us how that happens. Yeah. How so do I didn't, so when I, when I first got Zoe is his name, um, but the, the it's a him, that, it's a him, but the people that owned him before me, I know, right. Don't assume. 
Um, but, <laughs> right. But uh, but Z- the owners before um, had thought that Zoe was a girl and uh, Zoe responds to his name. So I didn't want to change his name. But I was like, hey, Zoe's actually a boy. And they're like, what? No. I was like, no, he's he's got a huge dewlap. His jaws are you know, he's got big jowls. So um, and he's also got spurts. So, I mean, this is definitely a boy. Um how did they mistake that? <laughs> well, they, they weren't reptile keepers before. So they had had him for about nine years. Um, he had a little bit of a vitamin B deficiency, and he was showing a little bit of like neurological um, signs where his like feet kind of twitched a little bit. But other than that, he was like the perfect specimen, perfect spines along his back. You know, he was, it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, and unfortunately, he was just the, the former owner was going out on an internship that was going to you know take him out of the country and um he just wanted a good place for it to go so um but they taught him oh, go ahead. you said it has spurs that's what they're called on the closer are they not like hot? well i guess you wouldn't know what they are if you don't yeah. know what you're looking for they look like little dots they're femoral spores some of them are i guess depending on the species some of them have like really long uh femoral spurs or spores um but they're just right along the inside inner thighs of of lizards Gotcha. So he just didn't know. He just didn't know. No, and I don't think he really cared to know. I think he was just like, "You're Zoe, and you're my lizard." So, um, but yeah, he he decked out his room with like uh, like a little catwalk uh, shelving unit around the top of his room. Um, he like had to take down his drapes because they kept on falling down. But like, it was basically outfitted to have an iguana live in his bedroom. Um, it was really cool. Um, and so at my house, I'm like, well, I've got like, I've got terrap- I have also got terrapins in my room, um, terrapins and uh, pink bellied side necks. So, um, I was like, yeah, I don't want him taking a dip in there or knocking the lamp in there. So during the day he sits in like a six, I think it's a six by three, six by four foot vision cage. And then when I come home, I just let him out and he you know, does his thing. So, but, um, back to the potty training, they, um, they trained him since he was free roaming that when, you know, he, that he was supposed to go to the bathroom in the shower. And I've always heard of this and I never believed it up until Zoe. And I was like, no way. Now, if I don't get there before my mom does, I mean, she's just like, dude, there's a huge iguana turd in, in the shower. Like you got to take care of that. But really it's the most hygienic way of, of keeping a lizard. Um, so if you can do that, do it. Cause it's awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. So did, uh, I mean, obviously, the green iguanas, especially males, get a bad rap for being, like, territorial. Yeah. And do you see anything like that with him? Yeah, uh, he does get pretty uh, – in the spring, uh, it's, it's like, I guess, late winter. He starts getting a little bit more territorial, and I do have other male iguanas in the room. They're a lot younger. But um, he does switch a little bit where he's, you know, a little bit more ornery, but you kind of have to – you kind of have to show your dominance. And so when he does come at you, like I normally kind of nudge him with a towel or something. Cause I mean, if we were to get, grab on it wouldn't feel great, but um, you know, you, you just kind of have to put him in his place um, just so he knows like, Hey dude, it, knock it off. But he's normally, you know, perfect. I mean, when we bring him to shows, he sits on, you know, the table or the tub or wherever we have him, and like kids just shower him with love. He's, he's one of the best ambassador species we have. Awesome. Now, do they interact with, say, like the cyclorian stuff that you have? Do they? Yeah. yeah. Um, the green iguana and the rhino are really good friends. Um, I haven't introduced the, and again, they're all in their separate cages. Um, I just allow them to interact when they're just free roaming. Um, but they don't really seem to mind each other. They don't, you know, anything. Um, but the green iguana does 
try to go after the male exanthic or the blue um, in the red iguana. Um, but they're a lot younger. They're about about two feet long. So, um, and Zoe is he's he's at least pushing six. He's he's pretty big. So, and then the the rhino is maybe every bit of three, maybe close to three and a half feet. So, ah, so that's a younger rhino for a rhino, right? Huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, she's she's pretty young, but you know, still still growing. So now, what do you plan to do as far as? Um... Dude, can you bring like the babies or the the younger iguanas to the shows, or are you just bringing Zoe? Yeah, so I do bring Zoe. Um, we just started bringing Kumba uh, probably three or four months ago. We started bringing Kumba. Um, when we first got Kumba, which was about a year and a half ago, Kumba was still just very shy, very intimidated by life in general. Um, and uh, up until recently, she's you know mellowed out like. I've got the scars to prove it. She was not, you know, the nicest species, but it was all out of fear. I mean, it wasn't like she was, you know, maliciously trying to attack me, but, um, it, you know, it just takes a lot of, you know, persistence and, um, her cage lies on the ground. So I would slide open her, her, her cage and she would walk up and, um, I've never seen this with any other reptile, but she'll rub up against you like a cat. And I don't know if it's just to familiarize herself with your scent, but she'll do that around the ground. Um, and it was just really fun. It was almost like a bonding experience where she would just come up, like she'd kind of hiss at me and, and scuff a little bit, but um, eventually she would just start crawling on my back and um, and sitting there and she was perfect. And I was like, awesome. All right, cool. Now we've established our trust. We're, you know, we're good to go. I think it's time to uh, start doing shows. And, um, but what you were saying was, do you bring the smaller stuff? That's what, that's what I kind of designed our critter classes for. Um, and uh, the critter classes are, kind of a an homage to the classes that I grew up getting to do um, that the, the man that you know, was teaching them before is not doing anymore. So um, the critter classes I teach at local park districts, and I like to bring a lot of our ambassadors and training to those uh, classes. And so those are the animals that are good with training, but they're not used to big crowds yet. And so, you know, having, you know, a, a classroom of, you know, 10 to 20 children is, is the perfect place to to expose these these animals to a little bit more of a crowd and to you know tolerate handling and different things like that. And now, how how often can you bring you know animals around for shows, or how often would you, you feel cool? Uh, like in what sense? Like what? Like the the breaks in between? Like no, I mean out? like would you want to do consecutive days or do you want to give them weeks off or, you know, what's, um, kind of you know, I think it's, it's an, uh, by an individual basis. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, definitely the conditions, I mean, if it's colder out, if it's too warm, I mean, we do have some, some really nice months here. So it really, you know, the temperature really isn't too much of a benefit, but, um, I, you know, that's right. Um, but I think it's just you you know your animals and you know their their limits at that point. Um now we do have backups so we it's not an A B and a, B, a A team and a B team but we do like to have animals that we could switch out just in case they're shedding or you know one just ate or this that whatever so um you know we've got you know Missy our big 14 foot berm but then we also have Allie our you know 12 13 foot Burmese python. So if Allie you know, is in shed, then we'll use Missy and if Missy's in shed or eating or whatever, vice versa. So we do switch our animals out appropriately. Same thing with, you know, the iguana, um, you know, Zoe, we switch out for Kumba, Kumba, Zoe now. Um, and we've also got different tegus we swap out and things like that. So, um, but yeah, we're always, we're always constantly monitoring the animals and, you know, on their stress and, 
Um, if we do have consecutive shows, if they're doing fine, they've eaten and they're, you know, they, they look good to go, then yeah, we'll use them for, you know, a show, um, you know, back to back. But um, if not, we do have the luxury of having multiple animals to, to use and so we don't stress them out or, or anything. What's that? You kind of hinted at it, but as far as especially Chicago winters are dreadful. So, right. I mean, <laughs> how do you kind of fight the winter when you're bringing animals out? Um, well, pre-start your car. I mean, automatic starts are amazing. Um, so again, like thankfully we didn't, all the shows that we were supposed to have last week got canceled and they got pushed back to this week. So, um, so Friday, Thursday and Friday we'll be doing shows, but yeah, definitely getting your car started as early as possible. Since I work out of the garage, uh, mainly in the summertime, I'll like, I'll load up the animals and have them staged in the garage, um, and then load them up into the stuff. But now since the garage is you know, freezing i'll bring them into the house and load them up and stage them there um and just to assess them you know if something needs to have a bath i'll give it a bath whatnot and uh but other than that i mean it's just getting them into the into the vehicle as quickly as possible and uh and getting them out now i was about to say oh chicago in general is giant do you service like all of all chicago, chicago like chicago land area or yeah i mean we, we go as north as like the wisconsin border i mean we've we've been offered shows in wisconsin um not to say i wouldn't do them but i guess it's definitely like a right price type of thing it's um just because taking the day to go up to to wisconsin is you know say you know, it's a two-hour commute there for an hour show when we could have done, you know, two to three shows at a time in which it took us to, to do that. But yes, I mean, we'll, we'll do, you know, whatever show, um, you know, is asked to us or asked of us, but yeah. But there's also other people out here too, that, that do the same thing. Um, and there's, it's, it's crazy how big Chicagoland is that, um, you know, we're able to sustain so many different, you know, reptile shows out there. So. So there's a lot of competition. Yeah. Uh, competition, honestly. Yeah. I mean, you can look at it as that. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, there's Dave Donasso's traveling all the reptiles. You guys, I think you've seen Jim Nessie at the, at the, the Tinley shows with Bubba the alligator. Um, there's Aaron Yance of nature's creatures, Jessica Reddy of animal quest. There's just so many different people that offer, you know, so many awesome, uh, programs. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, me being a competitive person, yeah, I can, you can look at them as competition, but, um, they're all great people. So it's like, you know, you're just happy that, you know, you get to be a part of, of the awesome education that's going on here in Chicago. And Chicago is just so populated. I mean, say right. you're in like, yeah, there's room if for you're in random right. South Dakota. Like you can't right. have wow, you're picking on Carly now. I was trying to do the one that Carly doesn't live in, but I couldn't remember. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Sorry, Carly. I think she doesn't live in South Dakota. I don't know. One of those desolate wastelands. Right. If you're there, you couldn't have all those, you know, different people but being in chicago it's just so many different people to hit right so. it is yeah very populated you have to think about it too like you know for every town that you have you've got you know a school system you've got a park district you've got a public library and then you've got all the residents within that township so you're like oh my gosh like chicago land is just so vast that i mean there's there's unlimited amount of work so and every every show is different too so i mean you could have you know, Dave come out one day, Jim, Jim come out the next day and us come out the next. And it's like, cool. You've got three different shows. Yeah. You might see some overlapping animals, but we're all going to provide you something different. Um, you know, every show. So. Yeah. Now I guess we kind of got a little ahead of ourselves because yeah. I really want to get into the fact that like, how do you start something like this? Cause a lot of us have the resources to do so who are listening. Yeah. I mean, 
we all have different kinds of reptiles, different species and pet animals and animals that are chill, you know? So how do you get started doing this? Even if it's not, you know, for business, I mean, per se. For business, it's, I mean, it's really easy, actually. Um, now, for the most part, if you're going to be doing public places, you do want to have insurance and most of them will, will require you to have insurance. Um, and so if you're just doing like a birthday party or I'm trying to think, um, I don't think of any of like, or like a school. I mean, I don't think schools have really asked for, um, insurance. I mean, I know some do, but, um, that would be the, that would be the number oh, one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for the most part, it's a lot of park districts that ask, um, trying to think of what else asks for insurance most of the time, but, uh, some libraries do, but, um, you know, just going out and, you know, just putting on a good show. I mean, what you think you'd want to learn, you know, from the basics of stuff, um, and share it because we take a lot of the animals that we keep for granted, even, you know, things as corn snakes, um, and, you know, corn snakes, king snakes, those animals are just as cool as, you know, some of the bigger things like the black-headed pythons or the womb, you know, so more of the exotic species. But, um, you know, kids just want to have that hands-on interaction with, with these species that they wouldn't normally get to interact with. Um, but anyways, I would, I would go in, uh, hopefully with insurance. Um, but if what not, is that insurance called, by the way? Like, it's, that's funny you ask. Um, they generally... The stuff that they have, it's just a general liability and they kind of push it underneath their like petting zoo insurance. Um, but now they, there's specific, like there are companies that will actually have reptile show insurance, um, which thankfully they do um, because, you know, that allows me to do a lot more shows than, than just the average person. So, but yeah, yeah I would crazy. just go that in. set you apart from folks who don't have that, you know. Right. Um, and two, I mean, also, I mean, it justifies itself because once you start doing shows like that, then you can pay for the, and I think a year we pay like 1500 bucks. Um, and we'll just try and, you know, pay that right at the beginning of the year so that we're, you know, we're, we're not paying that throughout the year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, insurance helps, um, having a good group of animals. I mean, every, I think everyone has, you know, even the breeders have, um, you know, animals in their collection that are just their star animals that they just, you know, they love the interaction. They love, you know, um, you know, talking about it and interacting and, um, you know, I think even on a basic level, if you're at shows, I know you, you had that, um, was that a anatheristic or, a, uh, your annery, yeah. yeah, your annery, um, that was out the other day and were you guys just educating with her or was she, so we just brought her as an adult because every time we're at shows and people see the babies and we tell them, Oh, it's going to gotcha. be four feet. And they're like, what? Like, there's just no way they're so yeah. small. So we brought her and like still blows my mind how people were so impressed by her. That yeah. is like, yeah, I thought that's the most simple thing to most people, but people were just blown away. And it like made a whole crowd around our table like at times. Like, so. like, and now we're like, oh, I guess we should breed anaries? Yeah. Because <laughs> people are like, can we buy her? And like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just cool that, that people are so excited for I mean, they don't even know what a corn snake is. So, I mean, let alone all the other things that you can show them is just. Right. Um, and and I was saying just as simple as getting a booth at your local reptile show. Um, and we've got the Scott Smith show up at the All Animal Expo here in Wheaton. That's a few times a month. Um, you know, the Tinley Park show, I mean, that's a little bit more expensive to, to vend at the NARBC. But, um, you know, just setting up your animals at, at, a, at a show like that. I mean, it's amazing how many people are just spectators and want to you know, have an experience for the day and, 
you know, that could be holding your, you know, fill in the blank, ball python, corn snake, you know, leopard gecko, crested gecko. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, and I think that people are shy away, especially at reptile shows, um, breeders who are vending, they shy away from people holding their animals and stuff like that. And I understand why. Right. But if, uh, if, you, if you're safe about it, like, and people are putting on hand sanitizer and, you know, we're just having kids hold them and stuff, I think that's a positive you know, interaction that will go a lot further than us selling a snake or making sure that our snakes are, right. uh, you know, not stressed or something for the totally one second. I was totally selfish reason. I was like, oh, I let this kid hold this snake. They're going to fall in love with snakes and they're not going to let their mom walk away. Yeah, but that, that's I'm another person totally falling in love with to snakes sale. too, though. So, <laughs> I mean, whether you sell a snake or not, if they love it at the end of the day, then I think that's a positive thing for everyone. I mean, there's, I mean, how many breeders are there? I mean, yeah. there's it's an like, opportunity I'm to. Saying, I'm, uh, oh, yeah, that that's your reasoning behind it. <laughs> yeah, I was just revealing my. Uh, You're just being honest. Motive, yeah, just you know. Yeah, but I think it's cool though to to get that interaction. Yeah. <laughs> but sorry, we got you off track. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> sorry, I, just... uh, I think just starting education. Um, <laughs> yeah. And in general, I mean, if you're obviously we're all passionate about what we do, um, and we all do it for selfish reasons. I mean, you know, it, with the breeders, it's like, what, look what I created. You know what I mean? Like, you're so proud of what you do. It's like, why wouldn't you be? It's you know, it's why wouldn't you be proud of something like that? Um, and I guess for me, I, I mean, my selfish reason is. I, I don't know. I just like showing off my animals. I mean, I have such a passion for them. And um, I think going into it is if you've got a passion for, you know, whatever species you're caring for, that will uh, translate through to other people. And, you know, it doesn't really matter what you're talking about or who you're talking to. I mean, that will, you know, inspire anyone that has a, an interest in these animals. Have you ever gotten an animal that like you weren't super interested in, but you know, it would be a good animal to like show off and it'd be great for the business hmm. that's a good question um i feel like i'd wrestle with that the, i know I'm giving it time so the my first anaconda gamora um i had a friend of mine who said that he needed to move her because he had to pay like a bill um and she it was a female she was maybe two and a half feet at the time and he's like you know for like 160 bucks come take her and so this is 20 13, 2014 before, before. boom and whatever. I'm like, awesome. Yeah. You know, I'll go grab her. And he's like, you know, she eats well, she's tame. And I'm like, all right, cool. And before that, it, again, I had that anaconda stigma of they're you know, nasty. And, but I'm like, if she's nice. I mean, this could be a cool talking point. Um, and I have fallen in love with anacondas since. So um, I guess that was one of those purchases where I'm like, you know, this could be a really cool animal to talk about. And I don't think I'll ever not own a green anaconda now. They're just amazing species. And going, getting back. Uh, did you start doing like free shows at libraries and schools and stuff like that? I mean, how did you first yeah. get kind of your foot in the door? So um, it started off with, well, I guess it started when we were doing shows for someone else. Um, and the funny thing was, is that even before I started working with him, my mom was a preschool teacher at our local, uh, uh, preschool. And so I would bring my animals in and it was ridiculous. I'd bring in 10 gallon tanks with, you know, little, you know, baby red tailed boas and leopard geckos. It was like, 
it was an obnoxious amount of it. I bring my whole collection. Um, and I had, you know, a bunch of corn snakes, leopard geckos, uh, bullfrogs, different things that I'd caught. Um, and I'd show them to the class. And I'm like, this is an obscene amount of animals. And I don't think ever anyone really cares to see them all. But um, I would start, you know, bringing them to, you know, little preschool stuff or even my, my buddy's birthday parties, like their, their eighth birthday party. I'd go and, you know, I'd, I'd show their animals off. But um, at 12 years old, 12, 13, I started doing shows for this guy. And my parents would drive me to people's houses with a car load of his animals. And I would do birthday parties. Like it was, it was ridiculous. A 13 year old growing up, you're like, what is this kid doing? But he's about to perform. And he had really cool species at the time. Like, you know, he had uh, Eastern indigos. I was bringing alligators and different things like that. Obviously big enough for me to handle, but it was just really funny that I got into it so young and was exposed to a, you know, a vast variety of different species uh, from the get-go. And also someone trusting a 13-year-old with that caliber animal. Yeah, crazy. yeah. <laughs> I think that kind of goes to, uh, to his demise. Um, he's no longer in the business. Um, and that's kind of all I'll say about that. But um, I'm glad that I was the one that you know, got that experience and it translated over to a, you know, a successful career and hobby. And, um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was interesting. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, just doing free shows. I mean, there's a lot of people that have, you know, local fundraisers for things, you know, just setting up a table with some animals, um, you know, obviously going to your local library, you know, if you say, Hey, free show, you know, if there's, you know, and you've got obviously the proper credentials, I'm sure they'll be like, yeah, perfect. Go for it. Um, I know that there's a lot of people out there that have insurance that don't do this for money. They just are like, Hey, I really like doing this. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love just to do one or two shows a year for my community just to, you know, to help out. And what do you feel like the impact of like a show like that is even in your local community? It's uh, it's it, I mean, it's huge because you're you know, we're I'm in the southwest suburbs. So, um, you know, the zoo is it's not too far away. I mean, it's, it's about a 35 minute drive. But just to see some of those animals so close to where you live, um, I think is just a cool thing. Um, cause normally, you know, you, you go to your zoos or you go to your, you know, we've got the nature centers and different things like that around here. But, um, I, I think seeing these animals that you would see on, you know, your, you know, a YouTube channel or animal planet or whatever, uh, being so close to you and getting to interact with them is just, is mind blowing. I mean, today is such a virtual, um, you know, society that things that are tangible, things that you can touch, feel and interact with are just, are huge. Yeah. I was wondering kind of. Because there, I don't know if people realize that there's a difference between YouTube. I mean, yeah, you can touch a lot of people right. figuratively through YouTube, oh, sure. but it's very different when you're actually having people touch them. Oh my gosh, right. And I think that's what makes, you know, um, I don't know, you know, what your guys' stance on, on Barcheck is, but, you know, um, I, I try not, I try not to, to hate on people at all, but Barcheck is, you know, he's in Utica, Michigan. And, you know, I don't know that, you know, how close the nearest zoo is to them or whatever, but I mean, it looks like he's doing very, very well. And he has a very cool, you know, group of animals there. So when you can set up shop in an area that has kind of a deficit of, of, you know, of, of animals or, you know, education that, you know, you'll, you'll do really well. Um, and I think he's doing a good job out there. I think it's, it's cool. You know, it can get really repetitive and, you know, a little eye rolly, but I think, you know, what part of our collection is glamorous, you know, it's like, yeah, we've all got, you know, some, some, uh, scat in their cages or some, you know, pieces of shed and stuff that we've missed and whatnot. But that's, uh, I feel like that's for the most part, what I've seen is people's uh, criticism of him and 
and how he keeps his animals. But yeah, well, it's just mostly the other stuff. <laughs> I don't know. No, no comment. comment. Uh, <laughs> really? <laughs> or the way? No, no, it's not. No, no, I don't know. We won't. Okay, we won't get into it. Okay, <laughs> but still, I just feel like I just feel like exposure in general is good. Is good. Yes. Now the Coyote Petersons of the world, I despise, and I think that's what you know. Barchick started off as was, hey, you know, shock and awe with with you know, let's see which animals can bite me today. And um, you know what's funny? I have those flip flopped in my head a little bit. What? I I I feel the same. I feel the opposite about those two feet. I don't know. I feel oh, like really? okay. Coyote, even though like the 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 bee sting shit is like kind of and the snapping turtle stuff and then he puts out like really good stuff which i mean doesn't i guess make up for it okay but i like when he puts out like the mini you know documentary style going out in the wild even though i'm sure they're uh they're planted animals and stuff like that sometimes but uh i think that those are interesting just from the perspective of like because we grew up watching like steve Irwin and seeing Animals in the wild for me is beyond. Uh, that's just a personal bias on that. Right. But. Yeah. Um, and two, I, I mean, I, I had kind of a conversation with someone like, oh, you know, Coyote Peterson, this. And I'm like, I'm not a big fan. And, um, you know, I think there was a, a big difference because they're like, oh, well, he's, you know, the, the Steve Irwin of today. And I go, I think there's a big difference between having something intentionally bite you or being bitten on accident. Um, because again, Steve never went into some, you know, never went into an encounter with an animal hoping to get bit. Um, and if he did, you know, it was, he always said it was his fault. That's, you know, he, you know, he messed up and he wasn't holding it properly or wasn't interpreting the animal, um, you know, as well as he thought he was. But, um, again, I've never, I haven't really watched a full episode of coyote just because you see too many things out there. So again, I'm not speaking too educated about uh his channel and what he puts out there but from what i've seen and the clips that i've seen i'm just eh, i don't know he, anytime i hear him scream he sounds like uh, uh captain america as he's being turned into captain america see rogers is turning into do you ever do you ever notice that no watch watch, watch, watch captain america and when he's being turned when he's in that tube and he's screaming he's like i can i can handle it i can whatever because they're about to stop his transformation he sounds exactly like uh, Steve Rogers turning into Captain America. It's the funniest thing. You'll notice it next time and you'll be like, dang it. Anytime I hear him scream in pain, it's it's a Captain America scream. That's amazing. And now we have to go watch I think yeah. I think the distinction is that Steve Irwin has done so much for conservation and animals in the wild okay. in comparison to people today that haven't really held too much of a candle to that as far yeah. as um I don't know. To, to me, that's what's important. Like the animals out in the wild and obviously having people care about the animals. Oh, for sure. You know, it's a mixture of those two things that I feel like we get lost sometimes because we're private keepers, you know, keeping at home. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's definitely hard to find a venue to help out. I mean, I guess it, it isn't, but it, it is, but it isn't. Um, and, you know, we all do this, um, I guess we could say selfishly for, you know, financial gain in some aspects. And, mm-hmm. you know, s- sometimes it is kind of hard to to donate because, again, it, in today's world that we live in, it's it's kind of rough. I mean, we got to, you know, utilize as much money as we can to, to support ourselves. And, um, you know, and that's why with, you know, the educating and even stuff like this, like this podcast, I mean, you're spreading so much education and, and so much awareness for different things. So, you know, we all do what we can with what we have. And, 
um, you know, if it's not monetarily, it's with our time and in our education. So, yeah, absolutely. And I was just wondering, what were you gonna say? Oh, you can go. I mean, yeah, I have a question. Yeah. yeah. Um, selfishly, what? <laughs> selfishly. Uh, advice or language would you suggest to someone to use who's doing their first? Stop doing that with your mouth. You keep what, talking. Really? You do. You talk what I'm saying. It drives me crazy. Right. Um, what advice would you give for someone who's doing their first preschool snake talk on Friday? What What advice think, would you suggest? Think basics. Think basics. Because um, I like to nerd out sometimes, and I'll I'll talk way past their 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 level of of, of intelligence, and so. You have to go with, um, you know, the basics of the, you know, uh, snake. All snakes shed, reptiles shed. Um, you know why they flick their tongue to smell. Um, that they don't have external ears. They cannot blink. Um, just kind of cover the basics of the anatomy of a snake because they're really not learning. They're they're not thinking outside of what they're seeing, and so um, you know you can go into you know what they eat, um, and you know where you can find them. But uh, just stick to the basics of, you know, what you're seeing in front of you and why it is. That is huge because, like, the more and more we do, like, even on Instagram, you see that, like, the things that we see as basic and simple, people are still kind of blown away with. Or especially little kids. Like, I forget that, like, oh, yeah, I can just tell them that they, you know, smell with their tongue or whatever instead of going all the way deep into it. Like, they just like you know, they're blown away by that kind of stuff. So right. I think that's like, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. I was telling people in the chat, I just hope my kids don't try to eat it because I have some little psychos. Oh, well, I'm going to be like the olive python or something. I so I don't know if they want to put that in their mouth. I had a kid lick an ink pad yesterday. I literally had to get her to stop licking an ink pad. Like, just, they might try to eat it. Just oh, no. As long as they don't... <laughs> I don't know, pee on me or do anything. <laughs> really pee on what? They've definitely peed on you. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you were saying as long as the kids don't pee on the snake. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't want them to pee on anything. There's no peeing anywhere. <laughs> Little psychos. Wait, are you saying you're worried about the kids peeing or the snake peeing? No, the kids. I don't care about the snake. Oh, I'll get peed on by the snake all the time. Pee on the snake. They're not gonna put it in their pants and pee on it. Oh, I I don't trust little kids. (laughs) I've heard your stories. I know they peed on me, but it's different. Yeah, exactly. I'm a human. (laughs) I'm a human too. No, but your snake. Okay, Okay. we're so off topic. (laughs) Where are we going? (laughs) Oh man. Um, I mean, you can, I do have to say, like, you read the crowd. Obviously, you have me, so I can tell you what my kids have been learning about. I can't read children. I'm sure they'll be, like, taking their nose and no, not paying attention. Know, honestly, you, it's, it's really easy with children because if you're losing them, they'll walk away. I mean, little <laughs> kids are not afraid to just be like, yeah, you're boring me, and they will walk away. Especially, yeah, like it, yeah. Um, I'm, my worst shows are shows that, are at like you know you'll go to some uh some birthday party where the parents had rented out a country club there's a bouncy gym a candy bar a dj on a a hoverboard and you're just like wait i have to do a show in the middle of this and you'll i mean if you keep 
half of the kids, you're, you're doing well. But I'm just like, oh, my God, there's so many distractions for all these little kids. Um, but normally classrooms are really good. And with the teachers, um, you know, obviously teachers are huge. I mean, I, I actually prefer doing shows for little kids when teachers are there, because when you do parties, um, parents are like, oh, you're you're watching my kids now. So I can go off and you know do whatever. Um, and that that does not work any of the time. It does not work. Um, but the, the teachers normally have their little routines of like, all right, you know, they do the clap thing or they'll you know, they'll you'll have like a little saying like, you know, oh, we all sit down and be quiet or it, I don't know. They do. They have these little cues in order for the kids to kind of straighten back up and to pay attention. So I find that preschools and schools in general are a lot easier to do than like a birthday party where it's a more of a loose, uh, looser environment. So are, I don't know if you already answered this, but are birthday parties your biggest majority that you do? Um, you know what? I think it's pretty even. Uh, I think we do uh, an even amount of libraries, schools, um, you know, birthday parties and events. I mean, it's it, it just depends on the year. So like in the su- uh, uh, in the summertime, it's it's dead even between it's divided uh, evenly divided between all those, um, you know, a lot of birthday parties, but, you know, just as many you know events and stuff. But uh, the s- uh, spring in the winter are a lot more schools uh, and then summer. Um, I guess maybe a little more libraries and birthday parties. Now, what do you do? Oh, shit. You know, I just had a question and then Dan distracted me in the chat. Okay, wait. Um, Before this, you told me they do movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I didn't want to talk about that yet, but I mean, oh, we can kind sorry. of... You can get back to that. If whoever... Had a, I mean, who had a question? No, no. You, you. He told me you do movies, so explain that. Yeah. Um, so I, okay, I'll get back to that. But um, you said something a while ago that I did want to cover, um, which was finding something in the wild, mm-hmm. uh, seeing stuff in the wild. And have you ever seen a corn snake in the wild? Okay. So that is something that I have not seen, even though I've lived in, I found, I mean, I found Texas rat snakes in Dallas. Um, this year I will try to find one. I mean, it will be very, very hard to find one in the northernmost range in the Pine Barrens. Okay. Um, honestly, people can go most of their lifetime not finding right. one um, in the Pine Barrens in particular. So um, I'm going to try. And I'm going to try do, doing it in pretty much the hardest place to find them. So, oh, very cool. No, I, I lived in Alabama and I never saw one. Um, we were in Tuscaloosa and I just – talked to the other day um this guy named brian holt and he was telling me that alabama only has like a few sightings since i mean in that county there hasn't been a corn snake found since 2009 i believe and i was at school there in 2010 so i don't think that they're doing that well it seems uh to the west there uh to the west basically of the coast they do pretty well on the coast it seems but not very well west of that so i mean i'll try to find them in the pine barrens in new jersey um i don't know why no i was just saying because my first big moment like seeing an animal that like i was familiar with in the wild was a corn snake uh, in florida um it was in broward county where out of pompano and i met we i caught maybe four or five corn snakes and that was like mind-blowing um because we would, we were right off of uh, the beach, and it, we had this big mangrove thicket, and you know, every morning we'd flip over, you know, palm husks and different things like that, and you just pick them up, and, and there they were, just these these beautiful corn snakes. I'm like, holy crap! So seeing stuff in the wild like that is just when it's when it's you know something that you know about and you keep on a regular basis, and you only see in pet stores, and you see it out in the wild, it is it's the trippiest thing in the world. Um, even too that 
same year, I found uh, a basilisk in that mangrove. And, you know, just seeing a bunch of green iguanas and stuff was, was crazy too. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I mean, I can't imagine if I ever find a corn snake, I mean, just finding, you know, a Western rat snake and an emery rat snake. And I mean, shit, a ribbon snake, a rough green snake. Right. I was freaking out. I think I may like cry if I find a corn snake. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's an emotional experience. So get prepared for it. Well, <laughs> yeah, if we do get a chance to to go to florida i mean especially you know south florida those corn snakes are beautiful yes oh definitely so i don't know what again what phase this was because this didn't look like a typical uh normal um so i don't know if it was a miami phase or not because broward is is very close to miami d county um it's like maybe you know 30 miles away so um but they were the coolest corn snakes i've ever seen in my life yeah, I think any corn snake that I'll see in the wild will be the oh, coolest one automatically. Yeah, it'll take a normal, and it's just fine. Oh, yeah, it will be a dirty, disgusting. In the Pine Barrens, <laughs> they're nasty looking. They are not good looking. Like in Florida, where you found them, they can be like, they could be, you know, clean pattern, red, yeah. or they could be red and black, like with beautiful pattern. And yeah, not in the Pine Barrens, man. I got to see a dirty, dirty, uh, you know, they have like a blackish wash to them. And oh, wow. Yeah, just this red that is muddled with brownish black. It's really not great, but it will be great to see them, you know, if I right. Do you get a chance to, to herp a lot? <sighs> yes and no. Not honestly, eh, maybe once a year. Um, you know, I do get called out. So I used to work for animal control uh, in my township, and I do um, uh, house the animals for our county. Like, say, if they randomly get a. Uh, like a ball python that's, you know, in, in a house that was foreclosed on or something like that, then I'll, I'll get to keep those animals. Um, and then, you know, give them, you know, to, you know, people, you know, once they're, they're uh, quarantined and whatever has gone through. But, um, and mainly it's like bearded dragons that people throw out. Like it's, it's kind of like disgusting how many times it's like, Oh, we found another bearded dragon in a garbage can. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, mainly the gist of it, or we'll get like, couple years ago um i mean now i could have because I'm, I'm permitted to own alligators but um a couple years ago there was like a some alligators in a pond that um our guy out here bob diversia had to go and catch but um for the most part it's just you know getting those animals and catching them for for the wild or for the animal control but um not as not as often as i'd like yeah, but I mean, yeah, it seems like you get your uh, wild animal fix in a way if you got to catch a gator in a pond. And right. Even yeah, if I it's in the noise. Really yeah. cool. They said there was two. We only saw one, but who knows? That one could still be out there. But. <laughs> That's going to be a neighborhood myth, I think, forever. Yeah, oh, for sure. So besides that, um, I guess we can move on to the movie thing now. Movies. Um, yeah, yeah, so what exactly do you do? So in what's up? Sorry, what exactly do you do with movies and how did you get into that aspect? Of right. So um, we we provide reptiles, you know, our, our collection to um, a, a company that supplies them for uh, movies and television shows and commercials and whatnot. So, um, you know, it's Animal Talent Chicago and they're, um, you know, probably the best in the, in the business at this point, you know, uh, I think in 2015, he won, you know, like the best handler award. Um, and that's for everyone out in California, um, and, uh, in, in New York. So Chicago is kind of the, 
the up and coming industry here. Um, up until like 2013 or 2014, Chicago had a really high tax, which surprising Chicago had high taxes, but they had a really high tax on like productions. And so they finally gave a, a tax cut to filming in Chicago. And, you know, from then, I think they went from like maybe three or four shows, which was like Chicago, um, you know, PD, Shameless, and maybe Empire was in its infancy back then, but um, has gone to like a few dozen plus movies now. And there's tons of commercials being filmed out here. So um, in 2014, I had sent an email out to this guy saying, hey, um, you know, if you're looking for any animals, um, you know, we've got a lot of, you know, tame and, um, you know, cool creatures that we, we have at our, at our disposal. And if you ever need something for something, let me know. Well, I get an email back in 2015, um, his, uh, animal person or reptile person had gotten out of the business and he was looking for someone new. So I literally emailed him at like the right time, uh, where I was like number one on his call list to, to do that stuff. So, um, our first uh, production that we did was, um, Chicago fire and our, uh, our tortoise, uh, Mortis was an African spurred fed tortoise was the, was the tortoise in distress. And, uh, he got to be saved by the, the hunky firefighters on, on that television <laughs> show. And it was fun. We were out there for like a week and they wanted two tortoises. They wanted a smaller tortoise, um, and, uh, Mortis. So, uh, we've got six sulcatas. So they vary from, you know, 20 pounds to, to 80. So, um, we brought one of our, our smaller ones tank and, uh, they got their own, you know, got their own trailer and it was, it was a great time. And we got to eat, meet the whole cast, got to meet Dick Wolf and it was a good time. Oh, I don't know who that is. You're excited, but I don't know who okay, that is. Mr. Talking about me not knowing yeah. who David Attenborough is, you should know. Well, I don't Dick know Wolf. famous people. Yeah. Dick Wolf is in the credits of like half the shows on. Yeah. Yeah, is he a right, producer yeah. or something? All the Lawn Orders, yeah. all the yeah. Chicago's, and even more than a candy. Yeah. He's like, he's like yeah, crazy. everything. So, is he a producer or is he an actor? No. What? Don't say no. I'm just curious. Or yeah, does he write shit? Actor, or? No, he's a, produ- he's he's a producer. He's a producer. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He like, produces all of every Lawn Order. It's like Dick Wolf. Oh, so he's yeah, he's so a badass. Dick Wolf Productions is like is you know you'll see it at the end of every show that he does easily a millionaire and are all of all of his things are in chicago no oh no they're spread out between you know chicago i think la um new york so they're all over the place i just said all the law and orders those are i don't know anything guys okay, okay? that's right well, showbiz people here all these showbiz is. folks he, and he he does all i mean you know law and orders but all like 20 <laughs> plus years so he's just been breaking in that money so him. what kind of like considerations though do you have to take when you have animals on set um, well, considerations is, um, so we get to be on set for a majority of the time. If I can get off for work, um, I'll go, but if not, you're, you know, leaving in, in the hands of these handlers, um, and, you know, working with Bo for so many years now, um, you know, I'm hundred percent comfortable with, you know, giving him, you know, Zoe or, you know, one of these animals to go off and, and do a show, but you definitely have to look at, um, you know, the credibility of the people that you're entrusting with your animals. Um, if you can't be on set, um, and then also like what type of production you're going to be a part of. Um, there's many a times where you'll get calls for like, Oh, like let's do a photo shoot. And you're like, Oh, great. What's going on here. Um, and so you can be asked to do, and you can be asked to do some very interesting things that you're like, you know what? I, I'm not okay doing that. So we may have to dig into that. If you have any specific examples, uh, it's just, you can they're like, they're, they're, <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll get involved with some, 
because again, snakes and photo shoots, I mean, yeah, they can be, uh, they can get very uh, revealing. And so it's just like, <laughs> I, I'd rather not be a part of that. I mean, I do have, you know, a lot of the, the students that I teach, uh, their parents follow me on Instagram and Facebook. So it's like, I'd rather not have these half naked women on, you know, on the, on my Facebook profile and stuff like that, you know, sharing the photos and whatnot. So I don't know why that's such a big thing, but yeah, it is yeah. such a big thing. Yeah. Now the one thing that, um, you know, I did get a little bit of heat for was, uh, the, I think the last eight years we've been, uh, in, we've been animal handlers at our local haunted houses here. Um, and at first people were, you know, not knowing anything about it. were thinking that we were running around chasing people with these animals. Um, but if you've ever been to like a really good haunted house, it's not, it is about the scares, but it's not, um, we work for Statesville haunted prison and hell's gate haunted house, which are, are like, like a Disney production. Like it, it looks like you're walking into something that would only be found at Disney world or universal studios. Um, and we supply them with snakes, uh, we bring cockroaches and different things. And we put them in like these design sets where they're part of the scenery. So they're in cages and stuff. But as people are waiting to go into the haunted house, they get a close up look at, you know, some of our snakes, like our Dumos boas or our, uh, our uh, bull snakes and things like that. Um, so we did get a little bit of heat from people initially when they heard that there were live animals at a haunted house. But um, I think that's just because they thought that we were, you know, running around and chasing people with these animals. But um, it's actually been a very cool experience working at those haunted houses. Um, and a lot more education is done than you would think, because a lot of people are touching snakes for the first time um, at the haunted house than they would, you know, when they were, if they were going to their local, you know, pet store, or, you know, reptile event. So. Um, I think they're like more. Whole... They're... Go ahead. Sorry, go keep going. No, no, no. Go ahead. That's almost like a whole separate business, you know. Like in addition to like the educational things, doing the movies and doing the haunted houses. That I mean, I feel like that could almost be like a whole business. It is. Itself. It's and it's a huge month for us. Um, October is 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 really huge, and um, I wouldn't have gotten into it. That's actually kind of what got me back into education in general, uh, which is really weird, but. Um, I was dating a girl uh, back in uh, a while ago. I don't want to give a timeline here, but um, I kind of gotten out of uh, reptiles for a minute just because it wasn't something that she was into. And I kind of let that person um, kind of dictate what I keep kept. So I was getting more of the, the, the furry animals like the sugar gliders and ferrets and whatnot. And I, um, you know, being allergic to those animals, I was kind of doing it out of, right, out of the, uh, the, of the wow. so, yeah, I know. Um, but, um, I really did care for those animals and I, and I would keep those animals again. I just can't have them in closer quarters to where I'm sleeping, uh, per se. So, um, but I will, you know, hopefully eventually get back into some furry things, but, uh, I got a call from a friend of mine from high school and they're like, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to be doing this, this commercial for a haunted house. Um, and, it, uh, would you mind bringing some snakes out? And so I had one snake and I didn't have any spiders or cockroaches. So obviously my best friend, Mike, like, Mike, do you have any? So he had those, uh, giant, uh, cave roaches, the ones that are like a foot long and some big hissers. And then he had this beautiful, uh, hunter and curly haired that he had for, Oh my gosh, maybe 10 years at, at the time. Um, and it recently died like a year or two ago. So it's been quite some time, but we wow. went and we went on set and their, their, uh, their, uh, commercial was about phobias. So 
they were, you know, they wanted to show a snake and they did this like an old timey, like, um, uh, realer film. I, I'll, I guess I'll see if I can share the, the link to you guys, but just to get a better idea of what it was, but, um, it was just like, Oh, you know, at, at this company, we like to go over our phobias and, you know, in, introduce the phobias to the people and whatnot. So it was a really cool experience. And the guy's like, you know, you could do this full time. And me being like a horror fan and loving haunted houses, I'm like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll take this on. And uh, it from there, it just fell into this this passion. And I was like, you know what, maybe I should get back into this reptile, you know, gig. And that's kind of what started me off on on where I'm at today. So how do you maintain like husbandry in that situation? Um, you know, so the haunted we, house situation. Yeah, so we get our we get our own room and I bring uh, I've got spare spare visions, spare racks and different things like that. So I basically just uproot the animals there and they have their their offset enclosures and their onset enclosures. Um, you know, all the animals have they have heated enclosures, they've got heat tape on bottom and ceramics on top. Um, and throughout the night, uh, I'm, that's pretty much all I'm doing is monitoring, you know, their their well being is you know, seeing if, you know, they're, they're looking stressed out, which is honestly none of the time. Um, the animals are, they're in, they're, they're in a well lit or they're in a, they're well lit in a dark environment, so they can't see outside of their enclosure. So, um, it really doesn't stress them out at all, um, which has been very cool, uh, to, to see and, um, just making sure the temperatures are maintained because it does get kind of cold here in October. Um, so I, you know, I make sure that they, they stay at appropriate temps, but other than that, I mean, it's it's been a pretty pretty great experience. Now, is there like anything? Because I did not expect that to be a thing, really. Yeah, I've never. I mean, <laughs> is I've there been to, like, any two other like houses? But I've never known that's a thing. Yeah, is there any other like weird income stream that you can have, like <laughs> educating animals slash you know just using animals in general? You you cut out after or before weird. So any weird what? Are there are there any other like? streams of income that you know besides haunted houses like things that i would not know of uh the other one i guess would be the the, the taxidermy part of it um working at the haunted houses you get a lot of people that like do that macabre jewelry and things like that so obviously as breeders we know that you know there's a percentage of animals that don't make it per season and so i will put those animals aside in in the freezer and um, you know, after the season's done, you know, I may have, you know, out of the, you know, hundred babies that I produce, you know, I'll probably have a dozen or two babies that just were stillborns or didn't make it or were non-feeders that I couldn't get going. Um, and I'll give them to these people and they'll, you know, jar them up and, you know, do, do whatever else they, they kind of please with them respectfully. Um, you know, not in a, in like a mutilated aspect. So, yeah. Yeah. We learned that too late once, uh, oh, no. I, I flushed a, uh, two-headed corn snake that we that was dead in the egg and, and I, I took a picture i took a picture and i put it on instagram and i was like oh this kind of sucks and everyone was like please give it to me please give it to me and i flushed it down the toilet already <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that was i mean you could have definitely i was like get out this mutant out of here yeah <laughs> yeah we used to uh man years ago we used to have um someone that we knew that we would sell uh, different specimen to the University of Chicago, um, and he would jar them up and add them to their collection there. So, um, you know, we had we had kept a lungfish squiggles, an African giant lungfish. Uh, it was African giant or African lungfish. I get pixie frogs, all those things mixed up. But um, the, an African lungfish had died squiggles, and he was like three or four feet long. 
Um, and so we gave him that. We had like a little Burmese mountain tortoise that uh, we were raising up that had, you know, had caught a bad respiratory infection. Um, and, you know, we were unable to save it, but we had, you know, given him those type of creatures. So um, he really appreciated just some of our, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say failures, but, you know, some of our, our casualties um, in the hobby, he really appreciated because it expanded their their collection of, of wet specimen. Yeah, it's always nice to put them to use instead of flushing them. Down it is. The it is. It. It. I mean, as tragic <laughs> it, as tragic as it is to lose something, um, especially something you've cared for for many years, um, it's nice to see it. You know, go to some type of uh, you know school or or you know research and whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's something I definitely want to do in the future. Is um, connect with our local like colleges or universities. That's something we didn't really do in Dallas. Um, but like, as we're trying to talk more about, you know, conservation and community and everything like that, I want to reach out to like, Penn, we have such big universities here and just see like what we can do for them, what we can do together and everything like that. Well, I think what's interesting that you were kind of hitting on is the fact that I just forgot what I was thinking. I'm so bad tonight. Yeah, no worries. My brain is just not working that well. Um, but... What, what were you just saying, Penn, and all that stuff? <laughs> Shit, man, I lost Universities it. and, like, what we can offer them, if there's anything they can offer us, or, like, what we can do together for the community. Like, what Oh, yeah, so doing. speaking of that, because obviously there's a gap that sometimes can be kind of mended for the fact, like, academics and personal keepers, like, things like in the local community, like Herb Society. So oh, that was where I was leading. Oh, that's a, <laughs> so Colin had mentioned before the show that you are involved in Chicago Herb Society, I believe it is. So yeah. uh, can you just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, every year in April, uh, the Chicago Herb Society puts on Reptile Fest um, and it is the nation's largest educational reptile show. So there's no selling of animals there. Uh, it's strictly all education. So um, people from local hobbyists, reptile breeders, conservation groups, museums, and ACA accredited zoos um, show up with their, their specimen. Um, and I think last year we had ho- over 180 species uh, total uh, of herps on display and uh, 70 educators with a total of 7,000 participants walking through the door. So um, it was one of our largest, uh, one of our largest crowds we've had. So um, for 2019, uh, Reptile Fest will be on April 13th and 14th at Northeastern's Fieldhouse, Northeastern's Physical Education Complex. Um, so definitely, if you're in the Chicagoland area, go out to Reptile Fest. Mike and I uh, exhibit there. We've been exhibiting there for the last four years, um, and every year it gets bigger and better, and it is a really cool, cool time. Can you say those dates one more time? Yeah, it is April 13th and 14th. And uh, if you want more information on the event, simply go to reptilefest.com or uh, you can visit the Chicago Herptological Society Facebook page or website. Cool. So what can you expect like from something like that? Is it just a bunch of educators there or are there? Yeah. So, um, you know what? Actually, not that many. Uh, I think education wise, there's only uh, us and Deb Crone, who's the frog lady. Um, and she's up in like the northern suburbs. Um, but she, I think her, uh, Cross on Exotics and her are the only ones that uh, actually attend the, the show. Um, but you've got, you know, big names like uh, Rob Carmichael's Wildlife Discovery Center. 
Um, he owns a nature, or he runs, he's a curator of a nature center um, up in Mundelein. And um, he actually has a, uh, he actually has a, a fest coming up called Reptile Rampage. And that should be, uh, it's March 10th, which is the same thing, just a smaller uh, lineup uh, of, of people, but just as fun. Um, but uh, you get just a bunch of people there that are very enthusiastic about their what they do and, and species that they keep. So even if they're not educators, they're just local hobbyists. Um, and we have people come from, you know, from uh, all around, from even Iowa, Wisconsin, um, you know, Indiana, coming to display their animals. Even if they're, you know, again, just a hobbyist, they're not an educator, and they've got, you know, uh, 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 I don't know, an anole that they're super proud of and they, well, they want to share to the public. They will bring that their tank with the anole in it and they'll just talk about, you know, Freddie the anole or, you know, so that's what makes it so cool um, of an event to go to because you're seeing just things from all around. And then uh, the junior herpers. So uh, Chicago Herp Society has their junior herpers, which meets, uh, I think, like every other Sunday or one Sunday a month. I'm not sure, but um, they they have their kids there. And so their students are showing off what they've learned and, you know, the, the skills that they've that they've been taught, um, you know, throughout their, their classes and their time at junior herpers. Um, so they get to bring their corn snakes and, and other keepers, corn snakes and stuff. So, um, we're, we're working on getting my kids at critter classes to, to come up and, and join the, the junior herpers to, to educate and to show off their skills. Yeah, that's super awesome. I feel like, I don't know, you guys are far surpassing what I've heard of any other herb society or anything going on. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chicago, it's, it, we have a, a very strong society. I know, um, you know, the Madison Herb Society, Ryan McVeigh up there is the president. Um, they have a very strong society as well. And they come down too to, to help out and, and vend. Um, there's uh, the Phoenix, if you've never been to the Phoenix Herbological Society, go. That is, that's an experience. That is one of the coolest uh really? i've ever been to they actually have a house that was uh and i might be misspeaking here but from what i thought i heard it was donated by the former or the one of the original presidents the house was donated and the property is where they is like their sanctuary for where they keep um all of their reptiles so they've got like 21 or 22 out of the 23 or i think it's now 24 species of crocodilian on their property um, they, you know, just the immense amount of species that they keep is, is, is amazing. Um, and I've actually adopted a few animals out of their, out of their society, um, that they have dropped off. Yeah, that's, that's cool. It's, it is really cool. Uh, they've got like a little pole barn out there. That's got a lot of their hots. They've got another, they've got like a field of sulcatas. I think they've got like over a hundred sulcatas that are, you know, hundred pounds or larger, and you can go and feed them. They've got a big, you know, pasture of leopard tortoises, a big rhino iguana enclosure. Like it is, it's, it's unbelievable. It's every reptile lover's dream. So, I mean, even for, I mean, ours seems very infrequent and doesn't happen that often. Like how often does uh, the Chicago Herb Society meet? Yeah. Uh, it's the last Wednesday of every month. And it's held at the uh, the Peggy Noderbart Museum in Lincoln Park, and that's in Chicago. That's awesome. So, do you uh, are there people doing like presentations and stuff like that? Like, what yeah. happens? So, um, you know, every week they'll have a presenter or a speaker that will talk on something that they're studying. Um, so, you know, whether they're like a renowned you know herpetologist or biologist, 
you know, speaking on, um, we had a, a guy come out and talk about hinchback tortoises, or we had, uh, you know, Dr. Mater come out and talk about green iguanas and his experience with them in the, in the veterinary field. Um, it's just every week is just something different. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, and it's good just to, to physically talk to different, uh, you know, reptile keepers and breeders and whatnot, um, you know, in person, because I think people can get caught up on all these Facebook chats and different stuff. And it's weird when you're face to face with someone and you're talking and you disagree with them, you're just like, Oh, okay. Like I wouldn't do that, but yeah, that's what you do and whatever. And on Facebook and, you know, Instagram and all this stuff, I feel like it's more of like a, like who's better than who. And I think if people started going to these societies, I think, you know, they, one, they'd learn a lot. Um, but two, it's like, I don't know why everyone's so hotheaded. Like, it's just, we're all here because we love something. You know, why not just, you know, get along? I mean, it's, again, just because you're doing something doesn't mean that I have to do the same. I mean, a lot of times you can do multiple things and get the same result. It's just, you know, works with, you know, whoever's doing it. So. Yeah, I think a lot of times on the internet, I mean, the intent is lost. I mean, all of our intent is to keep our animals well yeah. and do right by our animals, you know? Yeah, oh, ex exactly. I mean, I've got a, a really good friend of mine who is a ball python uh, breeder, and they call him, there's a name for people that keep pythons in tanks. Like, <laughs> or, like, have you ever heard of that? Or No. Uh, he he tells me all the drama and I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not in that group of people. I mean, I keep all pythons and mainly because people give them to me. They're like, oh, I can't keep this. And I'm like, oh, that, you know, I mean, it's good for birthday parties and for shows and stuff. So I'll keep them and or I'll, you know, rehome them. But, um, you know, he, he talks about all this lingo on like people that are like, oh, I'm, I'm a never tanker or I'm a never, you know, a never <laughs> like a never tubber. You know, it just, I'm just like, oh, OK, cool. I get yeah, whatever you know i mean again snakes can live in a bunch of different you know enclosures but um there's so many people that just live and die by their belief and i'm like oh, gosh. Ugh. i'd just rather not it's like hey you know everyone's situations are different so whatever works and the animal's healthy go for it mm -hmm. so i don't know if you've already mentioned this i'm sorry the don't, chat don't. is like really taking my time tonight sorry. but what part of uh what you keep do you breed Oh, that's a great question. Uh, no, I didn't talk about that. Um, I got to write this down as I go so I can just check mark. Um, the big Sorry, thing, the big thing, yeah. Order bounce off the yeah, walls. No worries. Um, but uh, I breed Mexican black king snakes, blue tongue skinks. Uh, I do corn snakes, not uh, for for morphs. I mean, I've got a, it's a pied side. Uh, a blood red pied side is that how you say it okay yeah um, you're acting like oh yeah whatever but like that's <laughs> melissa's like favorite thing is it really that's a thing yeah. a lot of people don't do i feel like well i again this is an animal i just i received um i don't even honestly i can't even remember where i got it from um, well you can pass the buck along it's, you know? it's a male and so i don't know i've gone on the the cow the the corn snake calculator. And I'm like, Oh, what can I breed to get something out of this? But last year, all I think we got were normals. Um, so I've got a, an albino corn and a snow corn female. Um, and then, uh, I've got a, a nice, uh, Okatee male that I got from someone who has got a beautiful line of Okatees up here in Illinois. Um, and I've just bred those to normals. Um, and I'll sell those to the local pet shops. Um, you know, Brian at, you know, Reptiles will take them, Gills and Thrills in Lockport. You know, there's a bunch of really cool 
um, uh, uh, specialty shops or uh, Animal Island that we've got out here too. But um, so the corn snakes, Sinaloa and milks, I'm I am in love with. Um, I'll breed I breed those. What else? Um, I bred Dumoulin's woes in the past. I'm not breeding those this year. I bred jungles in the past, but I'm not going to be breeding those this year. Um, same thing with the berms. I'm not going to be breeding them. I like to give them a couple years off. It's fun to have eggs that are as big as your hand um, in the incubator, but um, I'm really trying to hit the a lot of the, the colubrids this year. So um, trying to think of what else I'm breeding. And that's a pretty big deal, especially something like Dumeril's bow. That's not something that a lot of people breed. No, yeah. Um, and I just got lucky. Um, I just kept the two together, and they naturally bred on their own. And um, the first litter was like maybe seven babies. Um, and same thing with the jungle carpets. I was cleaning out uh, a cage, and I thought that I had two females in a cage, but it ended up being a pair. And uh, she was laying on a clutch of eggs, and it was on my birthday, and I was like, oh, my God, this is the best birthday present ever. Um, and so definitely keeping and, and rearing jungle carpets was, was an interesting uh, an interesting uh, ask just because they are very fierce coming out of the babies are very very calm yeah. <laughs> um but you know that was a lot of fun so um and now i've gotten a uh, i acquired a carpet a jungle carpet that is a they call it a crutch veal line i don't know if that's a thing or if it's just something someone made up but it's a beautiful beautiful black and white or black and yellow uh, uh jungle carpet that i've got with a this one's more of like a fluorescent yellow uh, female. So um, hopefully I'll, I'll pair those up and get some better quality babies later on. Melissa, yeah. do you have some, are you thinking of something or are you reading the chat? <laughs> she's typing. I don't know what she's oh, doing. Okay, sorry. I didn't know if you had a question. I, I was just ranting. Uh, totally a chat. That's, that's okay. interesting though, because Crutchfield, I feel like he, I don't think that that's like an actual line recognized by carpet breeders, but I mean, no. he's definitely had a few come through yeah, right. his hands, but right. so it's yeah. probably just a Crutchfield produced jungle carpet python. I don't know. I'm not going to say that when I, cause anytime I post something online, they're like, Oh, well that might be mixed with Erie and Jaya. And I'm like, Oh great. All right. You know what? That's why that's I'm not like on a really python podcast right now. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well it's a carpet python for sale. So whatever locality it is, you take it, but it's going to be a great pet. So, you know, whoever wants it, wants it. So, um, but yeah, uh, breeding the, the, the Mexican black king snakes was one of the first projects I really pursued. Um, when I was younger, I like, I think I produced blue tongue skinks when I was 14 years old. Um, and that, I, I don't know if I like discovered the key to breeding them early on, but I kept them on an external wall in my bedroom. And uh, I guess they got cooled and heated properly throughout the season. And I had babies well, consecutively for four years in a row. So um, I just kind of realized, like, oh, you just keep them like colubrids. And that's kind of you know, how it goes with, with some of those species. So, um, but, uh, you know, after blue tongues, I was like, you know, what else do I want to get into? And the Mexican black king snakes were something I started back in 20, 2013 is when I started collecting, you know, uh, uh, snakes and um when I was first selling them, I think I, I couldn't even get them out the door in 2013, 24 or 2015 and 16 for like 50 bucks. And then they like skyrocketed this same. year. Right yeah. Now. And same thing with, same. with blue tongue skinks. When I was producing blue tongue skinks, I was selling them for literally 30 to $40. And I was begging people to take them. Like my dad's not going to let me go home with these animals. So take these skinks. And people are like, all right. Um, and which is funny. I was at a, uh, I was at a reptile store I hadn't been to before and I was talking to the guy and, um, or to the owner 
And I go, oh, you know, if, if you, you know, want any blue tongues, um, you know, I, you know, I'll wholesale them to you, whatever. And he's like, oh, cool. You know, because again, it's sometimes it's easier just to wholesale animals than it is to actually sell to, to customers. But um, she's like, actually, if you want one, someone's going to be dropping one off here pretty soon. No joke. That person had bought that blue tongue skink from me at the show that I was trying to get him away. And she's just like, yeah, I've had it for, I've had it for like seven years. I'm like, oh my God, totally. I'll keep this one. So I, that was so cool. Um, I couldn't believe that I actually got one of them back that, that I had produced from years ago. So it was so random, but, um, but yeah, no. So I thought that was cool, but, but yeah, it was crazy how much the, the Mexican black king snakes jumped up in price. Um, I think the, in 20, 17 i was selling them males for 150 and females for 175 and then this year it was like males for 200 females for like 275 i'm like holy moly i'm like crap and you know what i sold all my all my babies for over 200 bucks a piece i'm like you know what when the going's hot you just sell so i'm glad that um i've got a second female that i reared up um and uh and she'll be ready to go this year so i'll have a little bit more but um, my female lat this year, her biggest clutch was 14 eggs and which stinks. I didn't get to capitalize on that because she ate two of them as soon as I, I got the nesting <laughs> box ready. So I was like, no. So, um, but she's, she's consistently, you know, our first couple clutches was like seven to eight eggs. Um, and then, you know, as she's gotten older, they've kind of grown up to be a solid, like, you know, nine to 10 eggs per clutch. And so when she had 14, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is like the year that they're going, you know, for, for tons of money. And she ate two. So, uh, but yeah, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that's, that's still a good clutch though. Right. Um, but it was an amazing clutch. So I'm hoping, you know, she'll, she'll do just as well. And she double clutches just as well. I mean, she, her double clutch or her second clutch is normally around seven to eight. So, I mean, that's still an amazing clutch for, for a second clutch. Are viable at least seven. Yeah, seven I think I would be happy with seven to eight the first right, time, you know. Right. So I think that's pretty good. But uh, blue tongue skinks, I feel like, are something that a lot of people have trouble breeding. So the fact that you bred them so effortlessly, right, yeah. and were they Indo animals? Yeah, or? those were those were Irian Jaya's. Um, actually, I believe the male at the time was a tannin bar, and the female was an Irian Jaya, um, which I didn't know. So purists don't jump at me. It was I was a I was a kid, so. Um, <laughs> But uh, now I've got um, I've got a group I've got a pair of Halamaharas, a pa- pair of uh, Irinjayas. Um, I don't have a pair of Northerns. I just have a bunch of dude Northerns, um, and I've got a female on the way. So hopefully she'll she'll be ready to go in a couple of years. But uh, yeah, I mean it's just it's cooling them down. I literally had them cooling down in the basement with the the colubrids, um, you know, for uh, I think it was two two and a half months um and i just brought them up last week um and so i've already seen some action out of my males so yeah, yeah that's great yeah. <laughs> once again she's not a another animal melissa does yeah i don't know really oh my god they're so she doesn't like like samboish she doesn't like things shaped weird oh yeah what about uh, monkey tail things anything with legs i'm out do you like monkey tail skinks? Uh, I don't. Know that's what that's what Andrew had on his shoulder during the show. Anything with it's legs, a green thing. There's anything with legs I'm out because they really? either like gross, slimy, or like half. Well, dinosaur. none of them are slimy, pretty much. I mean, skinks look slimy. No, what? I can't believe you're even like on this podcast talking shit about skinks being slimy when you've you've seen a skink you've touched right. a skink. i have not touched a skink i did uh, not 
what not touch Shay's anklet. Like a better I can't think of a reptile that I've touched that was slimy. I know, and I'm probably wrong. <laughs> Zero. Snakes are slimy, and I'm always like, no, they're not. I promise. But for some reason, skates look slimy to me, and I just. Yeah, I mean, they're not. Like, they're like little armored, you know, lizards. Face. Even the monkey. Yeah. Um, I initially got into blue tongues because I was like obsessed with Steve Irwin and the shingleback skinks. And when I found out that shinglebacks were like $2 billion here in the United States, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to even pursue that. But blue tongue skinks are the next best thing. And uh, I can't remember if I saw uh, monkey tails on his program or if I just saw him in a book. Um, but I was like, dude, monkey tail skinks would be so cool too. And uh, last uh, in 2017, I finally graduated from college at like, I think it was 26 um, or 20, I was turning 27. And uh, uh, I graduated. I'm like, you know what? My graduation present, my graduation present is going to be a, a monkey tail skink, and that's it. So, um, you know, a buddy of mine was was moving one and got it for a really good price. So, yeah, that's what I think is the same is the same shipment of blue tongue or same shipment of monkey tails as uh, Brandon Fowler's uh, monkey tail George. So, oh wow! So, yeah. I mean, it's weird that. I mean, monkey tail skinks a few years ago, I feel like, were not imported at all. Nothing was going on. Um, they were probably much more expensive. And it seems like now they're more readily available in the hobby. Yeah. Um, I think that because the demand was so high that I don't, again, I don't know the details on it, but I would imagine that some of these are probably coming in illegally. Uh, I know the shipment that mine was brought in on and the one that Brandon's was too, was an illegal shipment uh, from the Salmon Islands. Um, and so all of those animals were confiscated and then uh, uh, distributed to, you know, AZA accredited facilities and uh, educators. So, um, but, and, and I know for the most part, that group of animals were all males too. So it was hard to place them because you needed, a, you know, males with any species don't do well together. So, but they live in, they live uh, communally in groups. So, um, which is crazy. I mean, if you saw, monkey tail skinks interacting it's like watching like primates like they love they're like little koalas um they like the babies sit on the back and then they're uh the mother's back for you know like the first like six months to a year um and then they truly like really never leave each other's sides for like their entire life it's really adorable um but yeah my two skinks i had marty for a while and then i ended up getting a, a female uh little q cucumber um, and they're like, in, like inseparable. They sit in their cork tube, they cuddle up with each other. It's, it's actually really cool. Now those, they eat like pothos, right? I mean, they do eat pothos. So, uh, anytime I go to like Jewel or Home Depot or Jewel is our, uh, our grocery store in here, but, um, or the Jewels as they say in Chicago, but, uh, Jewel? yeah, the Jewels, um, or they like Lakeshore drive. They go, Oh yeah. Going on the drive. Never heard of that before. No. Anything with like nope. of Oh yeah. Okay. Well, that's a true Chicago, but you don't hear that all too often. But uh, but at Jewel Osco, which is our grocery store, um, or Home Depot or whatever, any nursery, um, I'll grab you know a, a big pot of pothos, um, which is normally like ten bucks, and it feeds them for like two weeks. Um, you know, obviously I'll supplement them with like a Missouri tortoise, tortoise diet or herbivore diet, and you know I give them the mixed greens and whatnot. But they go insane. Like when I put the pothos in there, Q sits in there for like two days straight doesn't eat anything and she just lays inside of the pothos like she loves being in there um and i don't know if that's because they i don't, I don't know the origins of 
of where cucumber came from. I know where Marty, Marty is from the wild, but um, it almost makes me feel like I'm like giving them a piece of home when I do put the pathos in there because they love it so much. Um, so it is cool that I get to, that, you know, they get to eat that stuff. Yeah. Now are those, I mean, animals that you need to use like UVB on them or. I do. Um, I do put UVB on them. They are arboreal species. So you would, you know, just assuming because they're arboreal that they do come in contact with direct sunlight. So I do put a UVB on them. Um, and I've got, uh, a spotlight for them too. So, um, and they seem to do you know fairly well. I do miss them, you know, on a regular basis. They've got a big water dish problem with them is that a lot of them will go to the bathroom in their water. But um, from what I've heard from another hobbyist is that they do that because they actually, um, they eat their feces and they'll like, they like to drink their wasted water. Um, but it helps like the flora in their stomach. Um, and a lot of times you'll see like the females uh, or the, the babies eating their feet or the, the mother's like poop. Um, and that helps like, you know, develop their digestion and their, in their stomach. Uh, so my first impression would be, you know, change that water. So are you not, do you let it on purpose? Yeah. Do you let it sit for a little bit? I'll let it go for like a day or two. Um, but I generally, I, because it's in my bedroom too, it's, I mean, it does tend to smell. Uh, so I will let it go for like a day. Um, but other than that, it's like you, you kind of have to, you know, do what they, they like, I mean, cause they're doing it for a reason. It's not like they're, you know, they're accidentally doing that. So, but I will miss them too. So they do get a lot of their water from misting. Um, I'd probably be a little bit more convenient if I had like a mister in or like a misting system on them, but, um, or one of those, uh, you ever seen those, the water fountains, the reptile water fountains? Um, I saw like this thing that Hyde Park had, uh, uh I don't, I don't know if it's something. But it was more happened. like it was a rainmaker. No, it this is like, like it looks like one of those little fluval filters, but it's a self-containing. It just recycles water inside of it. And oh, like for um, chameleons to drink out right, of? Right. Yeah, I use that yeah. for my. Uh, we've got one for our panther chameleon, Elton, Elton John, and we've got uh, <laughs> we've got our frill dragon has one frilly, um, and she. I mean, it's weird. Like she'll drink when it's misted on her, but like. You have to like point her in the direction. It's like, I don't know what's wrong with her, but she's just goofy like that. And so you have to like literally point her in the direction of water. So, but like, if she sees a hornworm, she goes running. Go ahead. Oh, you taught me like you're telling me not to. Ask. No. Oh, I bet the pearl dragon is yeah. a big like showstopper. <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, people, the, the thing about a frilled dragon is that you, in order for people to get that like showstopper, vibe from it it has to frill and she's just really chill so um like when i pick her up out of the cage like sometimes she doesn't see me and she'll kind of give me a little frill or when she's really excited for like food she'll kind of do a little frill um which is freaking adorable um but other than that she just she just really relaxed and her frill stays down so you almost have to like kind of like fluff up her frill with your fingers just to show people like this is like her skin like she does have a big frill and um normally when you say the jurassic park dinosaur that spits acid on newman people are like oh my god ah. so um so yeah so um but yeah people do love her when we bring her to shows and she she sits very well on her branches that are, are set up in displays and stuff so uh, people do enjoy the film dragon okay total non-state question yeah. but do you feel like the longer you have this business you become like 
the party planner side comes out anymore? Do you like find yourself finding more like like entertainment different type ways of things, or like a theme, or like like you brought up you brought Jurassic Park? So that's what made me think about like do you find yourself coming up with more? I don't want to phrase it. You know what I'm trying to say? No, like, I know what you're talking about. Um, so at when you keep a business like this, you you tend to when you're looking for business, um, we're not at that point yet where we have to just like stop and just wait by the phone and be like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, we'll just wait for people to call us. Like we're still actively, you know, uh, pursuing, you know, you know, different events and different, you know, schools, libraries and whatnot. Um, but you know, I'll look around for like when Jurassic world two came out, um, I was like, Oh, you know, what would be cool if like, you know, uh, if a theater was having an event like for the premiere. And so we found, you know, there's like a, it's called Hollywood Palm or Hollywood Boulevard and they were doing something. So they, you know, they were like, oh, that'd be great. And so they paid us to come out um, for their Jurassic Park event. So we got to, you know, do, you know, take a couple photos with the reptiles at, uh, by the Jurassic Park Jeep and, and whatnot. And a lot of people, okay, so I get this a lot where people say I look like Chris Pratt. And so people thought that like when I was outside of the theater, as they were going in to see this new movie, they're like, wait a second. So they thought that they're on like a candid camera thing. Like, wait, are, are you, and I'm like, oh my God, like as flattering as this is no. like, why would I be here in, 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 you know, in Chicago, you know, waiting for, for you guys to go into the theater. But it was almost like one of those candid camera moments, uh, which I thought was hilarious. But, um, but is that kind of what you were looking at or? Yeah. Ish, but, or, or more, I was thinking... Um, like, like Jurassic Park-themed birthday well, party? Yeah, yeah. Like, when you okay. do birthday right. parties, you're thinking about, like, okay, how am I going to present these animals? Or, like, right. you know, what are my, like, what am I going to say for it? Right. So, thinking, oh, what's my theme for this birthday? Depending you know, on thing like that. Crowd. Yeah. So, on our, uh, you know, on our... I don't know if I have it specifically on our website, but um, we do... So, in that... In that uh, I guess in that theme when we do see that like Jurassic Park is coming out with a new movie or the jungle book is coming out with a new movie, um, or, you know, Harry Potter, fantastic beasts is a great example. We're doing a setup and display next, next month. Um, and people are like, Hey, we're doing this. What could you provide us? Like, and so we're like, Oh, well, we've got a, you know, Taylor Swift Scorpion, which, um, you know, so-and-so professor used to perform the, you know, dark arts spell or something. I forget the wording. Mike knows it by hand. Um, or, you know, we've got Neville Longbottom's toad, Trevor, the smooth sided toads are the same toad that Tre Neville Longbottom had in the movies. Or, um, you know, we've got, um, a reticulated Python, which was, um, why can't I think of Vol Voldemort's, uh, snake's name? You're asking the wrong people. Right. But still, something. but still, you know, we, we've got all those species that, you know, are highlighted in the movies. Um, or same thing with like Jurassic Park. We've got the frilled dragon, so people, you know, you know, make the the connection between the frilled dragon and the Dilophosaurus. And so, um, but yeah, we do. When people do ask us, like, "Hey, we're doing this type of event. What could you offer us?" We do try to highlight those aspects, um, not necessarily as a package deal um, on our website. It's more of what we can offer them. So Ryan in the chat, Nagini. Is that Nagini, the name? There we go. Yep, Nagini. I didn't want to yeah. say it because I would. I think I was gonna. It's the the name in my head sounded like the name of the panther in Jungle Book, and I didn't think that was correct. But which I think is, yeah, it's Bagheera. That's not even with an N. Bagheera. Okay. <laughs> All these very very foreign names I can't keep track okay. of. But uh, so 
I mean, finding when you go to birthday parties and stuff and go to schools, I mean, are a lot of your like future shows off of, you know, people that you find at this birthday party or at, you know, how are you yeah. getting, um, what the hell do you call that? Just advertisement, getting work, you know, yeah. putting yourself out there. Um, the best way that we found is literally just getting out and going and having a setup and display somewhere. So um, this kind of answers your question from the beginning, like, hey, how do I start showing these animals or whatnot? But um, one of the first things we did was we joined our local uh, chamber of commerce. And, uh, you know, you don't have to have a business license or we don't have a business license. We're st- this is just kind of a hobby for us um, still. But um the chamber of commerce had like a flea market They're like, Hey, you know, on Sunday morning, we're going to have, you know, a bunch of vendors, whatever. So we bought a table and we just did a setup and display. Um, we're saying, Hey, we're not selling anything, but we're trying to advertise our, our company. And, you know, obviously people bring their kids after church to the, these flea markets and whatever. So, um, you know, we got business from there and that actually kind of helped us reach out. And, you know, we, we actually got an employee from something like that. Like his mom was at the show. I was like, Oh, my son loves this stuff. And he's, you know, he's 16 years old. He, he'd love to help you guys out. So, um, you know, that was a great way for us to, to, to get a, a new employee and a, and, a, and a good friend with that too. Um, but yeah, set up and displays, finding events and festivals and things like that just to get the exposure is, is huge because people can see what you're doing um, and they can, um, you know, have, they can get an experience from you and that experience lasts longer than seeing a Facebook ad or a, a billboard or, you know, whatever. So. And I mean, where do you picture this all going? Because obviously you said that you're not full-time doing it now, but I mean, would you want to be full-time? Well, I know you said no, but I mean, like, yeah, then what's the, the end it's goal a, with? The, uh, so I, I always surprise myself with the, the goals that I set. And um, as of right now, if I'm not, sometimes I don't set those goals because I'm afraid that I will achieve them. And it's just more of a, a confidence issue, I guess. But um, at this point, uh, I'd like it just to be a, a side career. And um, I think the next hurdle would be, again, I'm not engaged or anything, but I do I have a long-term girlfriend, but you know, trying to find that balance with having a family. So I don't know necessarily, necessarily know if I want to do this full-time prior to starting a family because I don't know how my life is going to change prior to that. So um, I think that is a... Uh, a big concern moving forward is all right. Well, I don't want to neglect time with my family because this does, this can take up quite a bit of time, and um, I want to see where that goes first. So, you know, obviously, this is going to keep on growing with uh, the time that we that we're putting into it. But until then, um, you know, eventually, it'd be cool to open up a, a shop or open up uh, some type of uh, you know reptarium, like you know what, what uh, Barcheck's doing right now, and, and just you know letting people come in and see your 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 collection. I mean, it's it's fun when you get to, you know, go to from place to place. But I think it'd be even cooler to, to set up some cool, um, you know, professional setups for, for people to come visit. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something that, like, we all have a little piece of the fact that, like, we want not only to be able to educate, but also to have somewhere where, 
people can come and look right. at all your snakes. It's like a weird, uh, like childish almost. Right. <laughs> like, look at all my cool stuff. I want you to love it as much as I do, type of thing. Right. And again, you know, people are like, oh, you know, it, you know, they're they're showboating or whatever. It's like, no, I'm just proud of what I do. Like, I love this stuff, and I love sharing my passion with everything else. I feel like that's a, a phrase that is. Uh, that is uh, overset, and I roll my eyes anytime uh, I say the P word. Right, the passion. Oh my god, I have a passion. Okay, I'm Jay Brewer. I'm Brian Murphy. Ugh. But it's like, or living the dream, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's like, really, I mean, when you love what you do, it's like it's hard not to show it, um, and it's hard not to talk about it. So, um, you know, I think that's what we're all doing, whether it's you know, it's in the form of breeding or you know, doing reptile shows with education and you know, stuff like that. So obviously. I mean, a lot of things are happening on weekends with things like education shows, like birthday parties. Um, and you're talking about like family time. So obviously yeah. like she will go to reptile shows with me on, you know, a Saturday or so. So does your, uh, does your girlfriend partake at all? Yeah. Um, there, you know, there'll be weekends where uh, she works, uh, every other Saturday or every other weekend. So, um, you know, most of the time she'll be working anyways, but, um, yeah, I mean, when we do have like, longer setup in displays like for reptile fest and stuff she will come out and she'll hang out and you know it's a good time i mean um going to those big setup in displays it's like you're you're hanging out with family i mean it's a lot of fun i mean especially in the show circuit too um you know setting up and you know going to you know the tilly park show or you know you're saying the white plane show or hamburg a lot of those people they see each other you know every other weekend or you know once a month so it's nice getting out and hang out and you talk hobby and you know you get to just sit and relax and do what you love yeah, I think we we find ourselves now just going to the show just to hang out with friends that we don't yeah. see otherwise. Right, right. I don't find as much interest going to shows if we don't know anyone. Yeah, he, it, it's like the vice versa of like me taking him shopping, and I'll like walk around something three times, and he's just sitting there like, "When are we gonna leave?" Yeah. And that's how it is at a reptile show. He I has to joke. walk around. At least like four times, and I'm like, "Didn't you see this already?" Like, also, you know, it's ninety percent ball pythons. So why have we been here for six hours? Like, um, you're looking for something that you missed that could have been on that ball python table. And you, you see something new every time. Right. There's also no seats. At least when I take <laughs> you shopping, you can sit down somewhere. There's no seats. It's usually super packed, and I'm like, I don't care about any of this. But usually we're just hanging out with our friends. But if there's friends, it's different. Like I, I did say or a couple weeks ago, I was like, no, we're not going to Hamburg this month. Like everyone says it's cold. It's like not fun. Also, Hamburg is like disgusting. But we have our friend Matt. <laughs> Being pretty blunt. Yeah. Oh, Matt has a really comfy chair behind his booth. I'm going to go sit there while you walk around and I pretend uh, like I can talk about uh, blood pythons. There you go. <laughs> then there you go. Yeah, it's like there's. What are the big? Oh, sorry. Yeah, You're, go ahead. I totally just cut you off. What are the big shows? Obviously, other than Tim. Tim like, I know Tim, uh, but like, I feel like that oh, um, has a shadow on any. What's other the show Scott's All Animal show. Expo is a thing? Yeah, that's the. I I don't really have much to say about that show. Um, <laughs> it um, looks like your version of Hamburg, but with yeah, mammals I, and stuff. Again, I, I don't like saying anything bad about it. I haven't gone, I haven't gone to the All Animal Expo and quite some time i mean it's been it's definitely been years um but the that's uh by by monthly or by weekly by really 
Yeah, it's every it's like every two weeks, and he's got Holy shit. Yeah, okay. uh, but the other big show that people go to, there's like a cold blooded expo that comes through once a year, or maybe twice a year. Um, and uh, I haven't been to that one, but apparently people say it's it's all right. Um, but the other really big one, other than Tinley Park, would be Sewer Fest, and that's run by uh, uh, Shane the the Zoo Red Met, or Zoo Red, the Zoo Med representative. Um, he, he runs that and it's, that is twice a year and that's a really nice show. Up in so I have heard that. And do you know what's behind that name? Sewerfest? It's like the yeah. South, uh, Southern Wisconsin, something, something fest, reptile fest. Uh, so know. it's, it's an abbreviation of sewers. Yeah, it's an abbreviation fest. Yeah. It's not like it's like in the sewers or something. Oh yeah. It's like, it's like the Southern Wisconsin reptile amphibian fest. I don't know. Because I was like, yeah, that's like a cool name, but I don't think yeah, everyone would find gross. it cool. Yeah, yeah. Sewerfest. Yeah, I, I, anytime Sewerfest is happening, it's a weekend that we're like bogged down with shows. And so, um, you know, we, we have a lot of friends that go to it. And we'd love, we'd love to go, but, um, you know, we're, we're just unable to. So we're going to have to to carve out some time this year to try and get to it. And now you just... You just go to Tinley and you just attend or walk around and whatnot. Um, we've okay. been in the last couple of years. Uh, we share a table with uh, one of our buddies who's a rodent distributor. Um, and uh, like you know, last year I, I sold you know most of my, my king snakes there. Mike sells all of his inverts, so he sells his hissing cockroaches, his isopods, springtails. Um, what else was he selling? Assassin bugs, which are like I call them the. Uh, have you guys seen the movie Tremors? Mm-mm. I have. Okay, you ever seen the one? It's, it's like the second or third with the ass blasters. <laughs> no. No. Well, it's basically like tremors with legs that shoot fire out of their butt, and they can fly. And so these assassin bugs look like ass blasters. Um, and he sells those too, um, and whatever other inverts he's he's messing around with at that time. But um, but yeah, he. I mean, he does well. He, he hit it really well too because he was just breeding something that he loved. Um, and this last year, I mean, isopod, you just know what isopods are going for these days? Like some of them are like $10 a piece for something like mm. that's the size of your fingernail and you will never see they're underground the whole time. They're eating, you know, the, the, the substrate in your tanks, but, uh, they're, you know, he has these giant Canyon isopods and I think for like a dozen of them, he was selling them for like 20, 30 bucks or something. And I'm like, how do you even know you're selling them? You're selling dirt. You know, like I laughed at him when he first bought them. Jeez, he, man, he's been keeping these forever. But when his first one, he had like a little Dixie cup. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got these isopods. And I'm like, dude, someone just sold you dirt. You just lost seven bucks of your money. Like, you're an idiot. And he has these huge 55-gallon totes full of isopods now that he wholesales out to, to you know, big distributors. And he sells them, you know, at, at the tennis at the tennis show. So. We you would be surprised. Selling, we started selling yeah. springtails, and I yeah. feel that way. And I'm like, I know they're in there because I saw him pour right. it in. Yeah. I was buying it. Like that just looks I like charcoal. Like no, there's so many cool isopods. This sounds yeah. crazy, but there's like orange ones. There's white and black zebra ones. There's amazing different isopods that you would never ever imagine, and they're fucking cool in their own yeah. right. Like. We, uh, colors and whatnot mike really got on a trip when there's this like invertebrates auction page that he's on and uh he was buying a bunch of really cool isopods and he found these like 
they're like emerald dung beetles or something. And I had to go pick them up from the post office one day. And he's like, yeah, you know, obviously when you, when you get a package with live animals, you want to open it up, make sure they're, they're cool. So I opened up these packages and I'm like, oh my gosh, these look like jewels. Like they look like little emerald jewels. And I'm like, dude, these are cool. And he's like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Whatever. I had not, I didn't know anything about them. And all of a sudden they start taking off. So he had like three dozen of these things and they're all flying in my car as I'm driving. I'm like, oh my God. Um, it was insane. Um, we ended up getting them all. I think one or two got loose, but uh, don't tell the DNR that. But um, I, I don't know. I think they're named the United States. Mostly. But um, he gets a lot of really cool inverts that I'm like, oh man, that might not be you know so cool or whatever. But then he always kind of shows me up. He's like, no, these are cool. And they, they're really awesome. They're easy to, to breed. I'm like, oh, nice. Right. Sounds good. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing about like isopods. And I mean, obviously with the springtails, we don't do anything. We just, yeah. I throw rice in there and just let them be. And they're like, I open it up and it's like firecrackers coming off. They're all jumping up yeah. and white things going crazy. And I was like, I got to sell these. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get rid of some of these because, but if people yeah. want them. It works. I wish, yeah. like, I feel like we should market it more so people know. Yeah. And I also feel stupid marketing half charcoal. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just feels weird because there's so tiny. Yeah. I feel like when people come to shows, when they, they're not going to think about coming to us for Springtails. You know, they're going to go to these other people who do the bugs wholly first. <laughs> come to us because we're doing them. Right. But, but I mean, it's nice just to have something on the table that, I mean, there's only still a few people that have them and, uh, and I don't I have to do anything. They're getting, they're getting pretty popular. I think just because of the necessity of them, but yeah, I think we're still a little bit behind, like in Pennsylvania. I don't know many people who, I mean, there's no real dart frog tables or anything at the shows. I mean, which is kind of odd because in Texas, I felt like there was a lot mm -hmm. um, at Tinley. Obviously, there's a shit ton of dart yeah. frog people and wow. stuff like that. So, yeah, it's kind of weird. It feels like there's not much going on here in that in that world. So, I know one of the original spots where uh, the NARBC was, NARBC was, was uh, Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. That was one of their first... Yeah. That was one of their first uh, stops, and I don't think there was much of a, a showing out there. That's why, and I don't know. Maybe it could have been a venue. From what Brian said, I heard it didn't. Uh, you know, it just didn't make money. It just the East Coast is a little bit too expensive, I guess, to throw that big of a show. Yeah, there is a cool. There's a lot of fish uh, fish uh, fish shows out there. Um, there's something called the Aquatic Experience that used to be here in Chicago, but now has moved over to uh, to Philadelphia. Um, for the next, I think, four or five years, they'll be over there and they'll jump back to Chicago. But that's a really cool one. You'll see a lot of uh, terrarian people out there. Um, I know that Vivarium, oh man, what is their name? I follow them on Instagram. But they had a really cool uh, setup and display for, for the aquatic experience. They've got sea lions at the show. Like, it's ridiculous. It's a mobile uh, show that's once a year, but they've got you know, all these really cool freshwater tanks, saltwater, um, you know, terrarium designers and even uh, sea lions. So. Damn! Now I want to go. I know you won't want to go, but, well, but it's in October. I just think or it's November. How many other shows are out there? You know. Yeah, yeah, it's we're in our bubble. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to go to different stuff. You'll see. Like that's the thing. Like, we were we were approached to go to that aquatic uh, experience or to been there because they wanted something different. They wanted reptiles, so we brought all of our like aquatic reptiles. So we brought a lot of amphibians. Um, we brought like our Mata Mata, our 
diamondback terrapin, our alligator snapper, our green anaconda, our basilisk, or so a lot of these animals are water and court or like water uh, or aquatic species. Um, so we just brought a lot of those animals to to kind of show to people that you know it doesn't just stop at at uh, you know maybe water and birds and, and fish. It's you know everything from turtles to snakes and lizards. And there's just people showing stuff off. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, we definitely brought like some of our Burmese pythons and different things for people to interact with and to, to hold. That's cool. So do you see Chicago as your forever place? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's unfortunate for what I love, but, um, you know, I definitely have like plans to, you know, have like a, a building and a greenhouse attached to it. Cause I, I'm a big, uh, horticulturist. I love planting and different things. And, um, but yeah, I definitely am trying to accommodate for, for, uh, all the things that come with Chicago. <laughs> Isn't that so weird? There's so many of us that live, whether it's the Northeast, the Midwest. I mean, most of the country. I mean, we're just fighting upstream. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, that's our struggle. I want to live in New Orleans, but he tells me no because of the snakes. Well, because if I had snakes, but if I if I had a facility, I would just be afraid that it would flood. But also, also but the, the weather would be humidity, great. But you've always said maybe the humidity's too high. No, not necessarily. Well, I think his idea of flooding is exacerbated. Um, I don't know. I think history would uh, go against you on uh, that one. Yeah, There's been one big flood in the past in my life. Yeah, but yeah, but if you're in Louisiana, like yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but, yeah, but all the yeah, time but, you yeah. have. You have your streets floating, flooding and stuff like yeah, that all streets. the time and heavy. I don't know. I just don't want to fuck with it. I would rather be somewhere where I know I'm going to be dry, high and dry. Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm in a spot here in Chicago where, um, you know, we're we're just in like suburbia of Chicago, and so we're in an area that like hasn't seen a tornado in like a hundred years. So it's like we're we're in an area like, but like 30 minutes south of us, they get tornadoes all the time. So it's crazy that like. We're in a spot it doesn't flood. Yeah, we get snow, but I mean, who doesn't here in the Midwest? Um, and uh, we just don't, you don't get any tornadoes. So I mean, our weather is is you know kind of perfect for for where where you live. No floods, no tornadoes. And we're good. That's yeah, good. as long as I mean, there's you can control what's inside. I mean, you right. certainly can't control what's outside. True. But yeah, we're in, we're in a good spot where there's no natural disasters lurking around every corner. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so we've totally kept you put past your time. But okay. Last uh, non-snake related question. Sure. Do you preach deep dish? Deep dish? Um, I don't preach it, um, but I do enjoy it. So, I mean, again, everyone's got their preferences. Um, again, I'm not going to knock you if you don't like deep dish, but deep dish, I mean, you're missing out if you don't. So, <laughs> amazing. This one, we're only Allowed to get thin pizza in this house, but he's also from New York, so I get like, it. Yeah, well, you know, honestly, New York. I, I as a Chicagoan, I have had New York pizza, and it's good. I mean, again, it's not like home, but it's good. I mean, it's home away from home. It's it's pretty good pizza. Well, I mean, you could have a whole meal as like one slice of your pizza, so that is a benefit. Like I could eat a whole pie of thin slice, but I can't. Right. Eat. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I, again, I'm 250 pounds, so I mean, I could attack quite a bit of that of that pizza um, for deep dish, but it's, ugh, it's so good. Um, do I have a favorite? No, um, but 
if there's deep dish on the table, it's it's going down. Giordano, I would maybe Giordano's would probably be the best. So, do you guys? Well, because so I have a confession, Joe. I did see you at Tinley this October. Um, it was before the show, and I didn't I didn't approach you, but I heard your voice before I saw you, and I was like, wait a second, I know this, I I hear I know that person, and so I looked, and you were talking to oh man. It's the guy on his banner. It's a uh, might be a Mandarin rat snake or uh... oh, Larry Keller. Sure, yeah. And I was like, oh, he's deep in conversation. Like you don't even know him, so I'm not even gonna like bug you or anything. But I'm like, oh, that's like from the Joe. Is it? That's Joe. So I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. But it was like before the show on I don't know, set Friday. No, or was I was maybe either set up on Friday or before the show Saturday morning. Um, that you were talking to him and I was like, nah, I won't go say anything, but I did, I have seen you in person. I just didn't go. <laughs> you should have said something because like, I don't know, it's not, it's not to the point where like, there's not so many people saying anything to me that I'm like, this is weird. It's like, it's I appreciate that. It's like, I appreciate yeah. the fact that like, there's people out there, you know, like it's still exciting. So yeah, I was in, again, in October, I can't really like hang out much because we are going to yeah. haunted houses right away. Um, and we are like, um, we're trying to set up our table and then I'm running to the haunted house. Oh, that sucks. Actually. Yeah, yeah. October, I don't get to hang out. And I, in March, this is my first year I get to, my brother is a, was a big 10 wrestler. Um, and so you wrestle for the university of Illinois. So in March, that's like national season, big 10, uh, championships. So it's like, we were always on the go traveling throughout the United States, following him, uh, wrestle. So, um, this is the first year that I get to like hang out. I get to have a th- or I get to have a St. Patrick's Day in Chicago, which is always awesome. Um, but I actually get to like enjoy my friends and uh, and uh, reptile family over at the the Tinley show, so. which I'm only like five minutes away. So it's great to have a show so close. It's such an amazing uh, place to be. Yeah, unfortunately, when you're all the way in Philly, you can only go to the October Tinley show. You you got to yeah. pick one. Yeah, that's true. So. But yeah, I mean, definitely. If you are you planning on coming out next year, or this Hopefully year, in October, yeah. If you do, I know. I mean, at night is like when everyone hangs out and stuff like that. But if you guys want to go to the haunted houses, let me know, and like you guys can. <laughs> Once again, the killjoy of this all. <laughs> oh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, if you guys want to come out, I mean, um, you singular will do it. But yeah, um, it's a lot of fun. I can. Um, can I be like in the room and I? Well, I can I'll give you a behind the scenes tour so you don't have to go through but you can hang oh. out and these these haunted houses are again they're they're the best in Chicago uh, which is saying a lot because we do it's Chicago's haunt uh, haunt industry is just like the reptile industry you've got a lot of greats in Chicago and um, but the, industry? The haunters, <laughs> there's a lot of haunters out there that's that might be another podcast but um it's uh it's it's a very cool and a very competitive industry, very cool industry. Um, but if you guys want, you know, you're more than welcome to stop by and hang out for for the night and uh and get and to we'll see what I get to do there. Probably too, but, uh. <laughs> people in yeah, people in their chat are, are tagging like. along. <laughs> yeah, but if I mean if you look it up, like Hell's Gate, uh, if you if you make it through and you find the key in the basement, you get your money back. Like that's how like intense this is. 
Um, well, I know someone who, you know, gives animals there. So maybe we can get some hands. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So if you guys want to come out, I mean, these are, you know, the, some of the best in the nation. So, Dude, if we get our money back, we'll find that fucking oh, kid. No, hey, no, you guys won't be paying to get in. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying you guys will have a good time. With that. <laughs> we'll let that I'll leave that to us. I guess. I still want to find the key, I though. I guess the yeah. excitement of it. <laughs> a good time. Oh, gosh. Um, Colin, if people want to reach out to you, how should they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, just on Facebook. I mean, you can find me at Colin Langendorfer on uh, Facebook, but uh, you can also follow my company on uh, Crosstown Exotics, and that's on Facebook, uh, Crosstown underscore Exotics on Instagram. And we just started up a YouTube channel, which has been kind of an interesting feat because it's weird talking into a camera when normally I'm talking to an audience about animals. So um, that's uh, it's slowly but surely starting up. Um, so, you know, we definitely appreciate a follow on, uh, on our, on our uh, YouTube channel. Sweet. What do we got for us? What you just say? <laughs> All right. Poor city pythons on Instagram, poor city pythons everywhere else from the ground up podcast and to say it one more time because i want to speak it into existence through the um <laughs> shoot, what's it called Shit. six degrees of separation seven degrees of separation. Um, you just asking for handouts if, now if anyone knows anyone who knows anyone who has some space at a table at white plane yeah we'd, we'd be willing to buy a table off anyone just if you guys got the spot because if people don't know like a lot of the shows around here white plains hamburg i mean it's pretty much you get a table, you maintain that table, you never let it go because it's that hard to get back in. Yeah, it's hard to get in and it's hard to, you yeah. know, it's something that you don't give up. So you only need a fourth of a table. <laughs> and we're, I mean, we're lucky to have done it once, you know, so I'm thankful for that. Yeah. But so I thanks, haven't. Tim. I Shout out. So I want to do it. What? Oh, yeah. She wasn't there for the last White Plains show. So, yes. And we'll probably talk a little bit about shows. Um, you mentioned maybe doing a show about shows. I was about to say that. Let's just do a show it. about our you show. Yeah, let's do that. Say? Yeah. Okay. Well, or no, I'm recording a podcast either Wednesday or Thursday. A different podcast. Oh, check me out on the Scarfa Show podcast at some point. So shout out. That'll probably be more business and talking about like my podcasting business stuff and stuff. Say. So you probably, guys the probably won't care. Well. Whatever day you're not doing that, we will do a little mini episode, basically recapping uh, the Oak show we just did. Yeah, because I feel like this one, even though we did a lot worse than last show, we have more to talk about in a way. Yeah, and let me preface it, so it's not all be positive. We'll try to be positive this time. It's not going to be positive, but it's just going to be No, the whole experience was very positive. No, though. but some of the things I'm going to say are not. Uh, well, that's just you in a nutshell, eh? Cool. Um, again, <laughs> terrible outro. But Colin, thank you so much for being on and spending two hours in your basement. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the haunted house that I'm currently in right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, glad nothing you know is flying in the background or yeah, anything. Well, um, thank you, everyone, for listening out there. Thank you for everyone in the chat for hanging out. And uh, we will catch you whenever we're going to do that little mini show that we're doing.